if you cannot get organic, do not consume dairy. There's a lot of big conventional dairies in the U.S. that are injecting their cows with synthetic growth hormones that have been invented by Monsanto to increase milk production despite the evidence to show that it could lead to higher levels of cancer-causing hormones in your body. Now, the growth hormones have been shown to cause other infections, otherwise known as mastitis, and requires the use of antibiotics. So the Scientific Committee on Animal Health and Animal Welfare in the European Union reported that growth hormones create foot problems, mastitis, and reproductive disorders in the cows. And they concluded that the hormones should not be used. So just for your information, those hormones are banned in Europe, Norway, Switzerland, New Zealand, Japan, Canada, and the Cancer Prevention Coalition filed a petition with the EPA, I mean with the FDA, the Fraud and Drug Administration, requesting a ban of them in the U.S., but of course, the FDA has done absolutely nothing because they're all hookers for the biotech industry. So the reason why organic is better is because growth hormones are not permitted to be given to cows that produce organic milk. That's number one. Number two, can you believe that almost all of the antibiotics in the United States, which is about 80% now, are fed to farm animals? And it's not because the animals are sick. It's because they have low levels. Their constant low levels of antibiotics require more just to fatten them up. So in addition, they're commonly given antibiotics to treat their other infections. And the conventionally raised cows are more likely to get those infections than organically grown cows, especially when they're given Monsanto's growth hormones. So this incredible overuse of antibiotics in farm animals is contributing to the increased antibiotic resistance and creating a major human health crisis. Do you understand that overuse and misuse of antibiotics in food animals is a major source of the antibiotic-resistant bacteria that is infecting humans, which leads to infections that are difficult to treat and sometimes impossible to cure? And if you don't do something about it now, your medicine cabinet will be empty and you will not have the antibiotics you need to save lives. So reason number two why organic is better is because the organically grown cows are less likely to get other infections. And the antibiotics are not given to healthy cows that produce organic milk. 
because if an organic cow gets sick and needs antibiotic, it gets the treatment, but it's removed from production. So its milk is not sold as organic. And the regulations require that sick cows are not to be denied treatment. Every time you buy a carton of conventional milk, you are helping to line the pockets of the biotech companies, which is why conventional milk has been affectionately labeled Monsanto milk. So there's whopping 90% of all genetically modified soybeans are fed to farm animals. So the biotech companies like Monsanto, DuPont, and Dow, they are spending enormous amounts of money to deny your right to know if GMOs are in your food. And anytime you buy a product that was produced with GMOs, you are helping to fund their campaign. So buying Monsanto milk is no different than buying a box of genetically modified General Mills corn checks, which is another company that's funding the anti-labeling campaign. And why is organic better? Again, because cows that produce organic milk only eat 100% organic food, which prohibits GMOs. Most dairy cows are living their lives on a genetically modified diet, which is not healthy for them. And studies that were not funded by the biotech industry has shown that genetically modified feed damages intestines and peripheral immune systems can cause reproductive problems and tumors. And farmers that have switched to non-GMO animal food are reporting that their animals are healthier and that grass-fed cows are the healthiest overall, requiring less drugs to treat disease. Now, you have to understand that a cow's gut is best suited for a grass diet. I mean, that's that's how they were created. And the starchy grain diet upset their stomachs by making acidic. And the acidic environment fosters the growth of disease and animals are given more dangerous drugs to compensate. So you take a corn diet, which can give a cow acidosis, causing this kind of a bovine heartburn, which in some cases can kill the cow, but usually just makes it sick. And the acidotic animals go off their feed. They pant. They salivate excessively. They paw at their bellies and they eat dirt. And the condition, the acidosis, can lead to diarrhea, ulcers, bloating, liver disease, and a general weakening of the immune system that leaves the animal vulnerable to everything from pneumonia to feedlot polio. So another reason why organic is better is that cows that produce organic milk eat only 
100% organic food, which prohibits GMOs, synthetic pesticides, plastic pellets for roughage, and byproducts from the slaughterhouses. Now, what are the byproducts from the slaughterhouses? It's all the crap that they get up off the floor, which they can't sell. Those are called byproducts. The organic cows are also required to graze on organic pastures for the entire grazing season, which is at least 120 days a year, and to to receive at least 30% of its feed from the pasture. And some organic dairies feed their cows 100% grass. So all you have to do is to ask to find out. Now, the grassy pastures are better for the topsoil than the GMO crops, crops like soy and corn. Because the GMO crops have shallow roots that are depleting the topsoil faster than the earth can replenish it. Okay, grass often has deep roots that are about 10 feet deep. And this helps to draw nutrients up into the topsoil. So a cow that is raised in a factory farm on a diet of mostly grains and GMOs produces unmanageable amounts of manure that pollute the water and the air. And you wonder why we have global warming So another reason for organic being better is that the grass-fed cows produce manure in amounts suitable for fertilizing the land, which improves the quality of our air, the quality of our water. And when the cows are fed grass, you greatly reduce the transportation costs for feed. Now, another interesting thing that you need to know about manure is that manure is rich in the mineral sulfur. When the Rockefellers, because they felt they weren't making enough money, number one, and because they wanted to reduce the population, number two, when they switched to the petrochemical fertilizers under the guise of speeding up farming and making it so that the farmers don't have to shovel doo-doo so much, It killed the sulfur cycle worldwide, and it eliminated the one essential mineral that kept people in good health. With that gone, disease became rampant. And the only way you can get sulfur back into your diet is with organic sulfur crystals, and we can talk about that later. Now, conventional dairy cows, are fed crops that have been genetically engineered to resist resist the spraying of herbicides, and the use of those chemicals has gone way up, whereby the total amount of Roundup applied to genetically modified crops increased tenfold from 1996 to 2012. And the residues from the herbicides Guess where they end up? In your food, including the food of the dairy cows. So the primary ingredient in Roundup glyphosate has been found in the breast milk of lactating women. What does that suggest? 
to suggest that the glyphosate eaten by the cows also ends up in their milk. And research shows that glyphosate residues in the urine of the genetically modified fed cows has been shown that drugs fed to dairy cows end up in their milk. And I sincerely doubt that the industry is regularly testing milk for herbicide residues. And if the milk is not tested for glyphosate residues, it's anyone guess how much of it ends up in the milk that you drink from the store. An ingestion of glyphosate residues has been linked to kidney disease, gastrointestinal disorders, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, depression, autism, infertility, cancer, Alzheimer's, and birth defects. And all this can be reversed if you stop eating GMOs and you start ingesting organic sulfur. I am serious. So another reason why organic is better is because the synthetic pesticides and the herbicides like Roundup are prohibited on the 100% organic seeds that the cows graze on that produce organic milk. So let's say you want to get more nutrition. Well, basically, as Patricia Bragg says, you are what you eat. And most conventional cows are not fed diets that produce the healthiest milk. So you have a diet that contains excessive amounts of corn, which leads to an unhealthy amount of omega-6 fatty acids, which carries over to their milk. It's important to have a proper balance of omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids. And most processed foods contain mostly omega-6 fatty acids, throwing the ratio way off. So what does that mean? Well, excessive amounts of omega-6 fatty acids and a very high omega-6 to omega-3 ratio promotes the oncoming of many diseases, including cardiovascular disease, cancer, and inflammatory autoimmune diseases. And studies found healthier fat ratios in organic milk as well as more antioxidants. Higher levels of beneficial fat, like linoleic acid, have been shown to reduce body fat and lessen your risk of cardiovascular disease and cancer. So why is organic better again? Because the organically grown cows are required to graze on grasses at least one-third of the year, which improves the nutritional quality of their milk. The dairy products from the grass-fed cows have been shown to have an improved omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, higher levels of beneficial fats, and more antioxidants. So why or how do you choose the best organic milk? Well, some of the organic milk in the grocery stores is ultra-high-temperature pasteurized, believe it or not. And you'll find it labeled on the carton, and it's easy to spot. It says UHT, and the UHT milk has been so heavily heated. We're talking, you know, maybe 250 
300 degrees that nearly any of the health benefits are gone. So why drink it? Seriously, I believe that 100% grass-fed raw dairy is the best. And if it's available to you locally, raw dairy products are alive and have all their probiotics, their vitamins, and their enzymes, including phosphatase, which is necessary to properly absorb the calcium in the milk. But you have a problem because the USDA has instituted raids on organic raw milk products. And why have they done that? Because it works and because they're hookers. For the, for, for the, the, the agencies, for the dairy industry, for the grocery manufacturers association, for the cattlemen's association, <clears throat> they don't want you to be healthy. They want to sell their products and they don't give a damn if you get sick or die as long as the money's coming in. Now, let's say you want to find a place that serves raw milk. Go to the raw milk website. And if you can't get raw, look for the USDA organic symbol and grass-fed. And if you don't have grass-fed, at least go for certified organic. And the best way to make sure that you're getting truly organic is to buy directly from local dairies if they're still in existence. And if you can find one, get to know these guys in your area and ask them questions until you can find a dairy that you trust. And you can find local grass-fed dairies on the database of Eat Wild, but not all listed are organic. So. Personally, I don't eat dairy products. Why? Because I'm lactose intolerant. Okay, that's it. I, I that that that's me. Okay, but there was a, a public a, a letter, a, a paper published, written by some Harvard pediatrician that said humans have no nutritional requirement for animal milk. If you need to get absorbable calcium, you can get it from green, leafy greens, nuts, seeds, beans, and legumes. And the vitamin D that you get in milk is only there because it's fortified with it. So it's no different than taking a vitamin supplement. And vitamin D is naturally prevalent in salmon, which is full of saturated fat and egg yolk, which is loaded with excess protein, hemp seeds, and some mushrooms. But the best place to get vitamin D is from that shiny thing that's up in the sky during the day. It's also known as the sun, and that's the most and most efficient way for you to get vitamin D. So if you have family or friends, that are still eating and buying conventional dairy products, talk to them. If we vote with our dollars and choose organic over conventional, we will have an everlasting impact on our health, our environment, and for our future children. And if we go organic as best we can, 
in no matter what it is, be it milk, be it food, be whatever, we will take the biotech industry and kick them so hard in the butt that the only thing they can do is pay off more politicians to ban anything that's organic. So I want to talk about, you know, most people out there eating processed food. Personally, I have not eaten a processed food. I, I can't even count the years. But there are some real bad ones out there. And doctors have been telling us that clean eating is the right way to eat. Well, if you can find a doctor that knows anything about nutrition, you're very lucky. But that means that no processed foods should be eaten. Instead, you should eat whole foods, which are the real foods that you find. And they're usually on the perimeter of the store because the processed foods are the foods that are prevalent in the store. And there are any foods that have more than one ingredient and anything that has been processed or made in the factory. So the more a food is closer to nature, the healthier it is. I mean, maybe some processed foods that are still healthy, like frozen vegetables, but, you know, they may have added butter, which we now know is not the enemy we once thought it was, or almond or peanut butter, which are processed, but they're, you know, they're, they're healthier processed foods. You know, I mean, it's, it, 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 you know, in most cases, though, the term process means a food that has been chemically processed, and those foods are usually made from heavily refined ingredients with artificial additives. So, you want to talk about some, they got these chicken nuggets out there, and they got these fake vegetarian chicken nuggets. And while they're a food that every kid seems to grow up on, you've got to avoid them like the plague. Unless, of course, you're making them from scratch at home. You know, but in a restaurant or in the freezer section of the grocery store, the ones that you're going to find are made with large amounts of salt, preservatives, unhealthy fats, GMOs, and MSG. Then you've got granola bars. And even though granola bars have been marketed as a healthy snack, they usually have large amounts of high fructose corn syrup, which is genetically modified to make them sweeter. And they're also loaded with salt and preservatives. So you've got to read ingredients. It's important. If you don't read a label, then whatever happens to you is your own fault. Then the favorite of America. French fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all grew up eating French fries, and many people just thrive on them. But the French fries contain a great deal of fat and salt and calories and no value. And then they, because they're heated to over 400 or 500 degrees to fry them, they contain acrylamides, which cause cancer. So you're not getting a nutritive value in French fries. But you can make baked French fries at home out of fresh potatoes. They're healthier. And if you make your own, l- let, me, let, me, let me tell you how to make baked French fries, okay? 
actually, I eat them all the time. They're my favorite. I take my potato, or I take a sweet potato, and I cut it up so it looks like uh, a French fry stick. Then I take a little bit of coconut oil, and I put it on a glass Pyrex dish, just a little to coat the bottom. Then I rub the coconut oil in my hands, and I pick up the little sticks, and I rub them in my hands just to lightly coat them with coconut oil. Then I lay them out. Okay, now they're laid out. Now I add my favorite spices. I'm not going to tell you what I use because you've got your favorites. i got my favorites. So the last thing I put on them is nutritional yeast. And then I put it in the oven, and I don't bake it any higher than 275. Usually it's 250 or 260. And I put it in there maybe for an hour and a half. Yeah, they're, they're baked French fries. No, they're not done in five minutes. The longer, the better. They don't form acrylamide. And then you take them out and you put them in a bowl. And I add ketchup because I grew up that way. And they're to die for, man. And you don't get sick and you don't get the fat and you don't get the soil and you don't get the cancer causing acrylamide. And life is good, baby, good. Okay. Then you got store-bought baked goods. When you buy cookies or crackers or cakes or muffins, they're all processed food. It's a fact. And they tend to uh, be some of the health, biggest health offenders in stores because they have trans fats, which makes them taste better, and which is the most harmful for you that you can put in your body. And those processed breads or baked goods also have tons of sugar and salt. So what do I do? What if, what if I want to buy a bagel? What if I want to buy some bread to eat? I only buy, if I make my own pizza, I get the Alvarado pizza crust. It's made from sprouted grain. If I want to eat bread, I get the Ezekiel um, cinnamon raisin bread that I toast beyond belief, or I get I get the uh, Alvarado onion poppy seed bagels because they're made from sprouted grains and I toast them and I usually put on coconut oil or a little bit of uh, unrefined organic uh, olive oil and then add nutritional yeast and I call it yeast toast and I love it but it's a taste thing you know then the powdered drink mixes because the powdered drink mix is, is basically 100% sugar, and they're full of preservatives and artificial flavors. And if you enjoy getting the plague, then you should eat, you know, powdered drink mixes. Okay, let's talk about margarine. Remember when butter used to be the bad guy and everybody switched over to margarine? Well, people were finding out that butter is a better alternative than they actually knew, and that margarine is really the bad guy because it's full of trans fats, free radicals, and preservatives, which are bad for the body. So instead of using margarine, instead of using butter, you can use coconut butter or coconut oil, which is way better. Uh, Then America's favorite, potato chips. Again, loaded with bad fats, preservatives, calories, Salt. You, you need a crunchy snack, 
you know, try to, if you have to, get the baked chips or the chips that are made from beans instead of potatoes and then dip them into the homemade hummus to add a healthier kick to it, you know. Okay, how do you make hummus? Well, you go out and buy some organic garbanzo beans and you soak them overnight, maybe a cup, right? Soak them overnight. And then you go out and you buy, while while they're soaking, you have time to get what you want. So you go out and buy a Meyer lemon if you can find it. But you definitely need a lemon. And you buy a couple of three red bell peppers and maybe an onion. And then the next day when they're, when the, the, the garbanzo beans have gotten bigger and the water is fermented, which is really good for you, uh, you put, you cut up the red bell peppers, you slice up the onion, chop it up in little pieces, um, put in the Meyer lemon, put in your favorite spices if you like spices. Uh, I, I use a little bit of balsamic vinegar and I put Cajun spice in because I like my stuff spicy. A little bit of cayenne, some garlic powder. Then I dump in the garbanzo beans. Now, they got to be blended up. A regular blender is not going to do it. So you either have to have a Vitamix or a blend set. I have a blend set. What I do is I, I add some. When this is all sitting in the blender, I add a little bit of... Um, Medium, well, I spice it up so it's, it's kind of hotter, salsa. And I put that in. I usually have enough liquid so that when I press my go button and I bring it up to 10, uh, I don't have to add any of the water. If I do, I add a little bit of the water, stop the blender, add a little bit of the fermented water, mix it around so it all blends, and then blend it again. And then I take the hummus, put it in a uh, plastic container, stick it in the fridge, and it becomes a very integral part of my diet that when I make steamed vegetables and stuff like that, I add a little bit of the hummus, a little bit of salsa, mix it around, put in some nutritional yeast, and I'm good. Um, Carbonated sodas. Oh, come on, man. You really just want to drink empty calories? loaded with sugar, and diet sodas are even worse because it's all, it's, I mean, diet sodas <laughs> made of fake sugar full of aspartame? You've got to be kidding. That, that raises your blood sugar level, and then the high fructose corn syrup, the ge- genetically modified in sodas, is worse for the body than sugar because it creates dangerous blood sugar spikes that damage your liver. Soda is one of the worst things you can do for your health, really, because the sugary syrup clings to the teeth and gives you tooth decay, cavities. Then the processed meats, the lunch meats and the hot dogs that are loaded with preservatives and artificial flavors and MSG and salt and fillers. Oh, man, that, you know. Then, of course, we got the breakfast cereals. Do you really want that much sugar in your diet? I mean, read the box. Look look for cereals that have low sugar and at least five grams of fiber. Or skip cereal altogether and opt for a healthier, a healthier breakfast. 
I mean, what about a smoothie? Yeah, okay, so it's the middle of the winter and it's five degrees outside and it's minus 20 with the wind chill factor. And the last thing you want to do is have a smoothie. But there's always a but. You're living in a house. You've got a heater. It could be 75 degrees in your house. A smoothie is not going to kill you. And if worse comes to worse, just turn the heat up a little bit because smoothies are health, are really, really healthy. You don't understand how good they are. And you take a smoothie and you add some, uh, I found this product called Shakeology. And if you want to know more about Shakeology, send me an, an email to heshgoldstein at gmail.com, H-E-S-H-G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N at gmail.com. Shakeology is a superfood. It's got 42 superfoods in it. The flavor I like is the vegan chocolate. 42 superfoods go into my smoothie every day. It also helps to control your appetite. So let me give you a given day in my life. Okay, I'm in three softball leagues. I'm out the door at 8 o'clock in the morning. Before I leave at 8 o'clock in the morning, I take a smoothie. So I'm having my smoothie at maybe between 7.30 and 8. I add in my packet of vegan chocolate, Shakeology, and I drink my smoothie. Then I go and I play nine innings. By the time we're done, the game doesn't start till about 9.30, but I go early so I can stretch and loosen up and all that stuff. Then we play from 9.30 to about 11.30, nine innings of softball. Then I run errands. Then I finally get home. After I check my mail in the P.O. box, I finally get home, and it's around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. All I had in all that time was a smoothie. And at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I am just then starting to get hungry. So the Shakeology is dynamite. They make a vegan strawberry and they make a, a, a vegan uh, chocolate. And if you don't want the vegan, they use whey protein. And since I don't trust their dairy because I don't know if it's organic or not, I go with vegan. And you can, like I said, you can find more about it at sending me an email at heshgoldstein at gmail.com. And then, of course, last but not least, is microwave popcorn. <laughs> if popcorn is air pop or pop on the stove using coconut oil, it is not bad. But microwave popcorn? Forget about it. It's one of the unhealthiest foods that you can purchase. And those bags of popcorn contain genetically modified kernels as well as preservatives, fake butter, and lots of salt. And finally, microwave popcorn contains the additive diacetyl, which has been proven to destroy the lungs. So I, I have a, a stepson that eats this uh, garden, uh, mandarin orange, crispy chicken, meat-free. It's, it's like a vegetarian chicken thing. So I tell him how bad it is. He doesn't care. Who cares? He doesn't want to deal with it. That's his business. So here's the ingredients. Besides, I'll, I'll give you the bad ones. 
soy protein isolate. That's a combination of GMOs and MSG. Canola oil, that's genetically modified. Yeast extract, that's MSG. Modified cornstarch, that's GMO and MSG. Um, sodium soy sauce, hello GMO. Soybeans, hello GMO. Um, modified food starch, that's MSG. Corn starch, that's GMO. Canola oil, GMO. Spices. Spices? What the hell is the spices? It says spices, not genetically modified soybeans, wheat, or canola oil. Oh, so the spices don't have that, but the rest of the crap has it. This You got to read labels, man. I, I mean, I don't make this stuff up. This is not stuff that I make up. This is stuff that I research because research is important. And while we're talking about the foods that you eat, would you like to know about 12 foods that have been banned in other countries because they are the worst of the worst? Have you ever heard of pink slime? Well, pink slime was a name that was used for processed low-grade beef trimmings and meat byproducts. So remember we talked about that earlier, the stuff on the slaughterhouse floors? Well, they use ammonium hydroxide in their processing, which is banned in so many other countries outside the U.S. And the pink slime is added to processed meat. So the products can contain up to 15% without any additional labeling. Just like you'd like to know that. Then farm-raised salmon, farm-raised salmon, okay. First of all, anything that I've faced in a mother, including fish, is very high in saturated fat, which clogs your arteries because there's no fiber, which causes everything from a stroke all the way down to gout, okay? That's covering the whole body. You, of course, you can have clogged arteries that go to your brain, that's the stroke. Clogged arteries that go to your heart, that's a heart attack. Closed arteries that go below the belt. Oh, then you have to use Viagra. But you got to be careful what they don't tell you. They say in their commercial, if you experience an erection for more than seven weeks, please contact your doctor. What they don't say is, and whatever you do, do not go on a crowded bus or a crowded subway. Oh, my God, you'll be arrested in a heartbeat. Okay, so farm-fed salmon, farm-raised salmon, they are fed an unnatural diet of genetically modified grains and dangerous chemicals like synthetic astaxanthin, which is derived from petrochemicals, and antibiotics. And what that does is it causes their flesh to become grayish instead of pinkish, like the wild salmon. So avoid all Atlantic salmon because they're mostly coming from farms. If you have to eat it, get the Alaskan or the sockeye because they're not 
they're they're not allowed to be farmed. But this is what's happening. This is when 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 a when any kind of a body dies it starts to turn gray. Be it a fish, be it a human, be it a cow, be it a dog, be it a parakeet, whatever. It starts turning gray and starts to stink. Do you ever wonder why when you walk into the supermarket and you go to the meat in the meat section Everything is pink and rosy and red and beautiful and nice, and you're not bowled over by any stench. You know why that is? Because the chemicals keep it that way for up to a year. That's the truth. You want to eat that? Eh, Man, that's your business. Then, hormone-infused beef and dairy. We talked about dairy, but many of the American cows are fed the synthetic hormones to create production, and those hormones, the RBGH and the RBSC, end up in the flesh and the dairy products that you eat. I don't eat it. You do. And the non-organic meat or dairy has been linked to breast, colon, and prostate cancer. Banned in Australia, banned in New Zealand, banned in Israel, banned in the European Union, banned in Canada, and banned in a lot of countries that has brains. Number four, genetically modified papaya. Most of the papayas that people eat are genetically engineered to be resistant to the ring spot virus. And studies show that animals animals that are fed GMOs, like corn and soy, have an increased risk of organ damage, tumors, birth defects, premature death, and sterility. Unfortunately, he says with a straight face, Hawaii is the leading place for papayas, and they are so good. But guess what? They're all basically genetically modified. Even the ones that are organic are genetically modified. Oh, my God, how is that possible, you ask? You ever hear the wind? And this is the problem. They spray the field. They don't go around by hand and dump their, their crappy pesticides on, on the glyphosate on the crop. They have a plane that flies over their field and they spray it. Guess what the wind does? You got an organic farm next to you? The guy is screwed, glued, and tattooed. Seriously, his whole farm is inundated with, with glyphosate that he never laid, that he planted organic to begin with, and now it's all genetically modified. And yet Monsanto says, hey, you don't like us? We'll just pay you money. Then you can approve us. We're good. And all the people in the FDA, all former Monsanto employees, all the people in the USDA, all former Monsanto employees, Tom Vilsack, the Secretary of the Agriculture, the U.S. government, oh, he's a biotech industry conspirator. And when you look in the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas, Elena Kagan, former attorneys for Monsanto, and the next president of the United States, Hillary Clinton, she also worked for one of Monsanto's law firms. Folks, we are screwed, blued, and tattooed. Then, bread with potassium bromate. Commercial baking companies enrich their flour with potassium bromate to reduce the baking time and make the dough more elastic. So what, what's so bad, you know? What causes kidney and nerve damage? thyroid problems, digestive disorders, and cancer. And it's been banned in Canada, China, and the European Union. 
Then you have ractopamine tainted meat. What the hell is ractopamine? It's a growth stimulator that's used in the United States to increase the weight of pigs, cattle, and turkeys. It's been linked to cardiovascular issues, birth defects, and hyperactivity, and banned in 160 countries across Europe, Russia, China, and Taiwan. And then we have the arsenic-laced chicken. Oh, my God, what's wrong with eating arsenic? How bad can arsenic be for our health? My God, why would they use arsenic? Why? To make the chicken grow faster. Arsenic is to make them grow faster? It makes your meat pinker, which gives it a fresher look. And guess what? For inorganic arsenic, it's known as a carcinogen. Organic arsenic, enough to kill you. Then the drinks with the brominated vegetable oil, labivios, like Mountain Dew and the other citrus-flavored sport drinks that are emulsified with brominated vegetable oil. The main compound is bromine, which is basically used as a flame retardant. And too much bromine can tend to lead to iodine deficiency, skin rashes, acne, fatigue, and cardiovascular problems. So give me more of that stuff, baby. Give me more. Then you've got the butylated, oh, my God, hydrozanosol, which is BHA. I can't pronounce them. BHA and BHP, which use the preservatives in cereals, nut mixes, meat, beer, butter, and gum. And it links to allergies and cancer. Then the bleach flour, we know how bad bleach flour is with the uh, azido carbonide used by the U.S. food companies to bleach their flour quicker. It's also used in shoe soles and it's linked to asthma and cancer. Then, of course, the processed foods with the artificial food colors. I mean, give me a break, please. Some of the food colorings, the additives, the colors, the preservatives that are used in the United States are banned in other countries because they're made from coal tar and petroleum. And that includes your red 40 and your yellow 5 and your blue 6 and your black and blue and your... I mean, it causes hyperactivity, brain damage, nerve damage, birth defects, allergies, and cancer. And then last but not least is Olestra or Olea which is a substitute for fat in fat-free products. It depletes the essential vitamins and can cause anal leakages. What is an anal leakage? An anal leakage is when stuff drips out of your butt and you can't control it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the horror that you're sitting in class or you're sitting at work and all of a sudden you're swimming on your chair? Oh, God, you've got to be kidding. This is why it's important to read labels and eliminate all processed foods out of your diet and avoid those harmful chemicals. Just turn to a healthy, fresh, whole food diet, please. And what is a healthy, whole food diet? Fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, whole grains, Nuts and seeds, beans and legumes. That's it. 
Organic, you're not getting crap. Non-organic, who knows what you'd get. Stuff in a can, forget it. Aluminum cans, you really want to eat aluminum, that's your business. Go brain dead. I mean, chances are you're partially brain dead now, so what's a little more? It's not going to hurt. If you cook from scratch, it's easier. You cook from scratch, you become healthier. It's not, it's, it's, it's like, what is going on? Why in the world, why in the world would I want to, okay, what is the one thing that the government hopes that you never have a chance to benefit from? Because if you benefit from it, the chances of their running out of it are very likely. That would be social security payments. Why do you think so many people are dying before they reach the age of 66 or 67 or whatever, 65 or whatever it is? Because they want to... See, the government has already stolen enormous amounts of funds from social security to finance projects from whatever. Here you are, you work all your life, you want to finally retire as you can, you want to be able to collect Social Security, but then you find out that they're having trouble paying you because there's not a lot of money in Social Security, and then you find out that the government took the money from Social Security that they shouldn't have done to pay certain projects, and then you have to collect Social Security, and if you have other income, can you believe that you have to lift the amount of Social Security that you are receiving, and if it doesn't qualify, you have to pay tax on the tax that you already paid in, which goes to your Social Security. Do you see how criminal this is? you see why you have to take responsibility for you? I say, screw the government. I say, if you change your diet and you go as organic as you possibly can, and you are healthy, and you can live to be 80 or 90 or 100 years old, you are screwing the government because they are going to have to pay you the Social Security that they don't want to pay. It's up to you. You want to die early, eat the shit that you've been eating. I don't care. I'm just pointing it out. I'm just giving you information. What you do with it, it's like my book. I wrote a book called The Same Diet for an Insane World. It explains everything, why you should stay away from the standard American diet. All the news shows in Hawaii will not have me as a guest because the book goes against your advertising dollar. So all I can do is lead you to the water hole. You've got to drink the water. I ain't the guy to do that. I'm already drinking the water, and it benefits me. I'm... Uh, uh, Frank just told me that it says, says it's my birthday today. It's not my birthday today. My birthday is in March. And I'm going to be 76. And I'm athletic. And I have no illnesses and I don't take any meds. And I ain't nobody special. And if I can do it, you can do it. So you got to make a decision. Someone's got to make a decision. I can't make it for you. You have to do it. So what do I what do I do in addition to my, my clean diet? Organic sulfur crystals. First and foremost, never will I stop. 
I don't have asthma. My asthma has been gone for eight years. I, I've had it all my life since I was vaccinated. It disappeared in three days from the organic sulfur crystals, gone in a heartbeat. Next thing I take is this bee pollen that is so amazingly soft and fresh. It is a mind blower. It's rich in all the B vitamins. It's rich in antioxidants. It's rich in probiotics. It's rich in enzymes. It acts as a natural appetite suppressant, and the stuff melts in your mouth. I also take the organic vegan Shakeology, 42 superfoods. Why do I want superfoods? Why do I want to build and strengthen my immune system? Why would I want to get the flu? If you have a healthy immune system, you don't get sick. Then you take care of yourself. And you don't have to get these synthetic chemicals injected into your bloodstream year after year after year, which is specifically designed to make you sicker and kill you faster so you don't have to collect Social Security. And then I found out about zeal, which is another superfood, which I take on a daily basis as well, and that's got 30 superfoods in it. So I am getting an enormous amount of superfoods in my system to help strengthen and build my immune system. Is it something that happens overnight? No, 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 no. <laughs> I wish. You spend your whole life and you've got all kinds of problems in your body and you expect that it's going to reverse in 24 hours. You took your whole life to get to the screwed up place that you're in. Give it a little bit of time and have some faith. First of all, you got to change your diet. Second of all, you got to add stuff to your diet to help build your immune system. And if you want to find out more, you go to www.health.com. Click on products. Or you go to eshgoldstein at gmail.com and you say, send me the article so I can read about them. All I can do, the only thing I can do is give you information. I can't do any more than that. Because I can't, it's the way it is. You have to take responsibility for you. You like being sick, you like having headaches, you like having arthritis, you like having diabetes, you like diabetes. Diabetes, by the way, here three weeks. If you get off of flesh food and go to a plant-based diet, why don't they tell you that? Why don't the doctors tell you that? Number one, they don't know, and they don't know because the curriculum and medical school is paid for by the pharmaceutical. You really like getting screwed by them? That's the business. Well, or and I only got a couple of more minutes to go. So I'm going to let Georgie Poo do his thing and sing about My Sweet Lord, which is my favorite song of all time. And uh, if you guys have a mind to, go to www.kwai1080am.com on Saturday morning. And you can listen to show in Hawaii. And if you don't do that, don't worry, but Frank is picking it up putting it on a place where you're still wrong with. So happy Nikkei. Until next Thursday, 
Mahalo and aloha. Does the cost and risk of conventional health care concern you? Wouldn't you prefer inexpensive solutions to health problems rather than disease management? If so, tune into Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC sees in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. 
no one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 225 4659. That's 541 225 4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
right. Good afternoon, all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the eighth day of January. It's Thursday. It is about 12 minutes after noon Pacific time. If all that works out for you, well, we are live. You can participate in the show by calling in 800-596-8191 or, or, Going to the website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. Over on the left-hand side, you'll see a link to chat. Click it, pick a name, pick a password, put in your email, and you're in chat. Uh, There's only uh, me and somebody else in there right now, but you can join the crew and uh, ask questions, make comments. You know, I'll see them. I'll bring them on the air. Well, if they got anything to do with anything, I will. Or if they're appropriate for broadcast, I will broadcast them. And you can just chat with uh, the other folks in there. Just want to do that. Anyway, so, okay. uh, All right, let's, uh, let's get to some news. One thing I brought up last night that I want to reiterate to you because it is important because, hey, most of you, I know, you know, there's a percentage of you that are listening on satellite. I know there's a percentage of you listening on the phone bridge. I know most of you are listening through an Internet-based thing. Maybe you're on your cell phone. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're at work. But it's the Internet bringing it to you. Well, You know, the federal government, you know, they hate the Internet, okay? The Internet has caused them more problems than probably any one thing in a long time. Information, they don't like it. They want to control it. They want a situation just like they've got with the television networks and the FCC-controlled radio stations. I mean, come on. Go through, spin through your FM or AM dial. What do you hear? You hear crap. You hear the same old Rush Limbaugh, blah, 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 blah. Republican this, Republican that, blah, 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 blah. You don't hear much Democrat stuff uh, be, uh, on the radio because, well, um, they can't make any money on radio. See, because Democrats, if they can't see and hear, they don't understand, okay? They don't get it. They And the, the fact of the matter is, you see, when you have a video thing, you're distracted from actually listening because you're also watching. And watching allows you to get more, oh, I can see the inflection in their face. I can get their emotions. You get it? Because Democrats are more emotion-based. Facts bother Democrats. Facts mess up Democrats because they lie all the time. But it's okay because, you see, they can smile and they can cry and they can look angry and they can do all these emotional things that distract you from the fact they're lying to you. And that's what Democrats like. And that's why the television is dominated by liberal communist agenda. And radio is basically dominated by the uh, Republican Party. Now, the Republicans lie also. 
they lie in a different way. They twist facts, okay? They'll go out there and they'll twist facts around, and they'll just present, here's the facts, only the facts, you know, the Rush Limbaugh crowd. And they'll twist the facts up all day long, and uh, all the little, uh, you know, drones out there will say, oh, well, Rush said this and Rush said that. Ooh, there you go, and the Democrats are bad, the Republicans are good, happy days are here again, we control the House and Senate, woo my team won, way. It's like a sporting event. I mean, honestly, folks, people get wrapped up and waste so much time and energy and money on things that do not affect their lives at all. And you think that because you got out there and maybe, uh, you know, maybe you donated a pile of money to your Republican uh, uh, politician and you got out there and you went door to door, knocking on doors, handing out flyers for your Republican candidate and uh, you spent lots of energy and you got all excited and you voted and all that stuff and you think this is affecting your life. This is your civic duty and you're really making, you're making a difference. Well, you know what? I thought that too. I really did. Honestly, 100% believed it. So much so, that was me. Yeah. Oh yeah, I spent years hitchhiking around the country, living on the street, eating out of dumpsters, showering at missions, sleeping at missions from time to time. Whole nine yards, man. Did it for almost seven years. Then, you know, met a girl, got married, decided, oh, well, you know, it's time to grow up. Be a responsible adult. Okay, well, I look around and I'm like, well, all right, first thing, got to get a driver's license. Yeah. You got a job, get a driver's license, and then uh, I uh, I need to register to vote. And not only that, because that's not good enough for me, all right? Oh, no, I signed up to be a poll worker even. Oh, yeah, yeah, went to the training, did the poll worker thing. I was the one sitting at the door checking your registration card against our master list before you were allowed to go vote. Yeah, that was my uh, job as a poll worker. Yeah, so, oh, then I thought, well, this this isn't working. This isn't making any difference. Good golly. So, uh, gee, uh, there's a lot of things wrong, you know, that I hadn't noticed before because I really didn't care. I didn't want anything to do with it. I want to be left alone. Leave me alone. I'm running away from this whole society as fast as I can. Now that I'm in it and I'm being responsible, I figured, whoa, look at all these problems. Look at all this mess. Well, obviously, I've listened to these politicians. I'm involved politically, and golly, these people are sincere. They want to help. They want to do the right thing. They must just not know how screwed up everything really is, so I'm going to help them. I'm telling you, folks, this was me. Sounds a little naive, doesn't it? Well, that's because it was. So I decide I know what I'll do because at the time I was working for a contractor who was actually nice enough to say, yeah, you know what? You can take off a couple of hours every, I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was Thursdays. I'm not sure, but either Wednesday or Thursday at 9 o'clock in the morning, you can take off 
couple of hours to go to the county commissioner's meeting every week. And I did. Now, this county has about 330,000 people in it, last I counted. And on a normal, every day, and I I did this for over six months, every week. On an average day, there were five people. This is including me, four other people and me. And it was the same four people and me every meeting. The only time there were more people there is when the county was giving out some bogus award to one of their lazy, worthless employees, okay? Then the county would give all their co-worthless employees time off to go to the ceremony. And they would all pile in, and they would have their little ceremony for the cameras. And then, guess what? The cameras would clear out, and they would all clear out, and there would be five of us there. The only time that changed is when uh, a group I was involved in, I was actually co-chairman of, organized an evening commissioner's meeting. We filled the room. Because our idea was, you know what, 9 o'clock on a weekday is uh, eliminating all the people that are actually working and paying the bills of this stinking county from actually participating in the government. You need to have one nighttime meeting a month so the working people that are actually paying your salaries can come down here and see what the hell you're up to. So we – and they didn't want to, man. We pushed and pushed and pushed until they finally agreed, but not to a a real meeting, okay? It was just for show, just to see. Well, we filled the room, filled the room. Normally, there's five people. We filled the room. And then they said, well, we're not going to do this uh, on a regular basis because there just wasn't enough people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the media was there, everything. Just not enough people. Yeah, five people is enough. You know what? If there's if if that's the distinguishing point between having a meeting and not, why are you having meetings at all if only five people show up? But anyway, so I digress. So after a while, you know, a little over six months, I figured out this isn't working either, so I tried something else. But the fact is, see, I understand this because I was there. I really did believe that, oh, it's responsible. Oh, I can make a change by voting, by getting involved in elections, by, oh, well, obviously these people mean well, but they just don't know what's going on. Oh, let me help them. Well, they know what's going on, and they don't care. They want what's going on to be going on. They're criminals, okay? So, you know, uh, you waste your time, you waste your money, on these elections, on supporting candidates, and it doesn't amount to nothing. As long as we have a two-party, paid-off system like we have, it's never going to make a difference. You want to make a difference? Get groups together and start forming more parties. I don't say third parties. I want more than three parties because you know what? You get a third party, it's going to be bought off just the same. 
we need six or seven or eight more parties. What, you don't think there's, that would make ten parties in America. You don't think in a nation of, what, 350 million people now, you don't think there's more than ten different opinions? Really? Why shouldn't we have ten parties? Huh? I mean, look, the environmentalists could have their very own party. They could get out of the Democratic Party. The Democrats don't do what they want. The environmentalists could have their very own party. Okay, the the ultra-conservatives could have their very own party. They could get the hell out of the Republican Party. The communists could have their very, oh wait, they could just stay Democrat. You know, I mean, there's plenty of room in this country for more than two opinions that are really the same opinion. Yes, and ooh, we could have the Nationalist Party. You know, a party that says, hey, America first, let's get out of NAFTA, let's get out of GATT, let's get out of the UN, let's just trade individually with friends, and, you know, hey, screw the rest of you. You're not going to be friendly, you don't want to do business in a, in a decent manner, then you're not doing business with us. We got no use for you. This is a big enough country where we can maintain our own economy if we chose to, because we already did. But the geniuses in Washington, D.C., and in all their little think sewers, oh, I mean think tank, think septic tanks, okay, come up with the idea, oh, we got to be all globalists. we got to, oh, it's inevitable that we're all one big happy world. Yes, sure we are. I think they tried this once before. I think it was the Tower of Babel. How'd that work out? Folks, it's not inevitable unless you sit on your behind and just let it happen. I remember years ago, we used to have protests down in Medford every UN holiday, you know, uh, anniversary. Wheel out a barbecue and start burning U.N. flags. Everybody would bring a U.N. flag to burn on the barbecue. The media was there. There was like 300 people would show up to this thing. Now, nothing. Nobody. Hey, you know, I got to say, I don't do it anymore, but I do something else now. I don't think everybody else is. I think a lot of people just gave up. Because they didn't win right away. They protested for a few years and they didn't win right away, so they gave up. Well, you know what? That's why we're losing. That is the one reason we are losing. Because you see, the communist globalists, they never give up, they never stop pushing. They don't care if they have setbacks. They don't care if they lose a few battles. They don't care. They just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. They never give up. 
I can admire them for that, even though, you know, I'd like to wipe them off the face of the earth. I can respect the fact they don't give up. I can respect the fact they stick to the plan. I can respect the fact that even though they have setbacks, major setbacks sometimes, it doesn't stop them. They regroup and keep coming. I can respect that. They are my enemy. But you know what? You can respect your enemy. That doesn't mean they're not your enemy anymore. This is the problem with emotions. This is why the Democrats love emotions, because they get you so angry at them, you start hating them, and then they start saying, well, you're just a hater. You're just a hater. We've got to come up with hate crimes. You can't hate. Oh, okay. Fine. I don't hate you. You're still my enemy. You still need to be ex- exterminated. I don't hate you. I, as a matter of fact, I respect you. But that doesn't change anything. Okay? That doesn't change anything. We give up too easily. We don't get our way. We we go crying back home going, hey, everything's corrupt. Everything sucks. Ah, life is bad. Uh, you know, well, that's what happens when you quit. Anyway, the Internet is about to be taken over by the FCC. They're just going to decide now after, I don't know, how long has the Internet been around? 20, 30 years? And now the FCC is going to decide that, oh, after 20, 30 years, it never was before, but now we've decided... Uh, It's going to be a public utility. We're taking it over because public utility means government utility. Government means public. They are just going to decide. We're taking over the Internet. It's ours now. It's a government utility. We have deemed we are going to regulate it. We are going to decide. It's ours now. Wait a minute. After 30 years, this is like the dimwits at the Supreme Court. After 100 years of something being absolutely accepted and the way of life totally constitutional, they decide, well, that's unconstitutional. It's unconstitutional. To make a law against homosexuals marrying. Really? Okay, well, let me, let me, let me ask a question here. So, the authors of the Constitution, do you really believe that anything they wrote, I mean anything, anywhere in the Constitution, Do you, do any of you believe that it was any of the founders' intention to create a right for homosexuals to be married? I mean, really, 
Do you think so? Now, you can come up with every, well, you know, they were backward. Well, they were Christian fundamentals. Well, they weren't modern, enlightened men. Well, they weren't, you, you can come up with anything you want. But the question isn't that. The question is, do you think that was their intention? And if you're honest, you're going to have to say no. Absolutely not. Not one of them. Not Alexander Hamilton, not any of them. It doesn't matter if you uncover evidence that maybe some of them were practicing homosexuals themselves. And I don't know that that's true, but hey, people make all kinds of accusations. Maybe it still doesn't matter. Do you think that was their intention in the Constitution? And you will have to say, no, it was not their intention. They would have never envisioned it. They would have went to war over that. So for the Supreme Court to come out and say, oh, it's unconstitutional, is a complete usurpation of their authority. Because the intentions of the authors of the Constitution was exactly opposite. They were not for this. They never intended this. And the intent of the law overrides the letter of the law, and there's nothing in the Constitution that even suggests by the letter of the law that homosexuals should be allowed to marry. As a matter of fact, for the majority of this country's history, homosexuality, the act of homosexual activity, was considered a crime called sodomy. Now, were people running around kicking in people's bedrooms to find out what they're doing in there? No. This is why it was said homos were in the closet. Yes, in the closet where we don't have to know about your nasty, deviant behavior. You know what? You want to be a nasty, deviant, and you want to do it behind your doors in your house where I don't have to know about it? I don't care what you do. That's between you and God. That's not my concern. It's not my concern until you make me know about it. But look where we're at. Look where this nation has gone. Just in that one issue, and that's only one issue. We have a boatload of issues just as bad. It's, uh, it's, I would say, insurmountable. I mean, really, I would say insurmountable. Because as the United States is, or the United States of America, whichever way you want to look at it, because either one is over, as we knew it anyway, it's over. So really the question now is, what are we going to do next? 
What's going to happen next? Well, I can tell you what's going to happen next. We're going to have to take a break. We should already, but we'll do it now. We'll be back in a bit. Bigger and 
few things in this world are more important than clean, pure water. Understanding this, ABR makes four tabletop water distillers available to you for purchase. First, we have the five and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $139. The second is a five and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $189. The third is a three and a half hour per gallon with polycarbonate collection jug for $189. And our premier tabletop distiller is a three and a half hour per gallon with glass collection jug for $250. All our distillers have a stainless steel boiling pot, dome, and cooling tubes. And the premier version also has a splash flap to protect against contamination of the cooling tubes. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com for more information and protect your water supply. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. I'm sure I 
Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here in uh, on American Voice Radio Network. Uh, shiny thing. I got distracted. It is January 8th, uh, the year 2015. It's Thursday, and if that's all true, we're live. Anywho, uh, anyway, Let's get back to it. Go to TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. That's the website. Everything you need to know about this network is there. You can also participate in the show from there. Okay, let's get on here. Uh, Let's see, what next? Oh, you know, okay, this is a little thing, so I'll do this. This is, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of Warren Buffett. I don't like Warren Buffett. And the reason I don't like Warren Buffett is because, you know, he's got this thing, you know, oh, he's the oracle of somewhere in Nebraska, Omaha. And, uh, you know, oh, boy, yeah, well, big deal. You know what? You give me a billion dollars, I'll be an oracle too. Because you get that much money, folks, you can't help but make money, okay? Unless you're a complete idiot, okay? And I don't think Warren Buffett's a complete idiot. So, you know, it's not that big of a, ooh, aren't you smart? You can make money with a billion dollars. Well, yeah, duh. Guy who is completely in the game, the paper game, the stock game, okay? But every once in a while, and this goes for, like, Alan Greenspan, too. I mean, you've got to listen to, you know, uh, most of it's just blah, 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 BS, right? But every once in a while, they'll, they'll tell you something that's true. And I think Warren Buffett did that. He was given an interview with Quicken Loans uh, executives. And he says, this imaginary person out there, Mr. Market, now he's talking about the stock market, the bond markets, okay, the paper markets, all right? This imaginary person out there, Mr. Market, he's kind of a drunken psycho. Uh, hello? Now, wait a minute. So, the markets are like a drunken psycho, and... uh so, you know, your little suit-wearing genius uh, financial advisor tells you that you should get involved with a drunken psycho? Hey, let me ask you something. How many times does getting involved with a drunken psycho work out well? 
I mean, I mean, honestly, how how often does that actually work out and you say, boy, am I ever glad I did business with that drunken psycho? Huh? How many times? Not that often, I'm thinking, because, you know, uh, that whole drunken psycho thing usually, I don't know, throws a monkey wrench and things turning out well. He goes on and says, some days he gets very enthused. Some days he gets very depressed. And when he gets really enthused, you sell to him. And if he gets depressed, you buy from him. There's no moral taint attached to that. Yes, that's right. See, he's telling the truth here, folks. Listen, no moral taint attached means immoral, all right? Dealing in the stock market with a drunken psycho is immoral. But hey, it doesn't bother Warren Buffett. You know, obviously. He says, pay no attention to headlines in the paper or people on television or anything, but put aside a little money each month. I put it in a very low-cost index fund, and if you do that regularly throughout your working career, you're bound to have a substantial amount of capital. Emotions are contagious, and emotions have no business in investing. Yes, emotions or morality have no business in investing is what Buffett is saying in all this. And you know what? If you want to deal with a drunken psycho, you got to be a psycho yourself. And, hey, if you're just a psycho dealing with a drunken psycho, you're probably going to be able to take advantage of the drunk. Wow, is this good investing advice or what? Oh, man. Now, here we have this. Uh, okay, I, I'm sure you've... Uh, heard or read about the, uh, you know, the murders in France that are attributed to Muslims because of some stinking cartoons about their waste bucket prophet, Muhammad, okay? And everybody's condemning it and saying, oh my gosh, you know, this is terrible, this is bad, you know, and... uh, Uh, You know, a lot of the press are saying, oh, well, you know, uh, like, uh, well, Donald Trump says France's strict gun laws enabled this attack, which is true. You know, if you've got a bunch of sheep that are unarmed and somebody decides, uh, I'm a criminal and I'm going to kill people, which, oh, wait a minute, people that decide I'm going to go kill people generally are criminals, uh, they don't care about gun laws. See, they've got guns. You don't. You're a dead man. Your whole family's dead. You have nothing to protect yourself with. Yeah, good plan. Uh, Bill Crystal is saying CNN, New York Times, pathetic for not showing the Paris cartoons. Um, let's see. Uh, Pope's condemned it. Holder is heading to Paris. woo yeah, boy. Uh and Ted Cruz says censoring Charlie Hebdo cartoons unfortunate. Okay, this is what everybody else is saying, right? 
But Obama, now understand, a newspaper ran some unflattering cartoons about the waste bucket prophet Mohammed, right? So some Muslims decided to go massacre 12 people because they didn't like the cartoons. This seems like a little over-the-top reaction, but hey. Obama issued a statement strongly condemning the horrific shootings at the French satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo Wednesday. But back in 2012, the White House questioned the judgment of the very same magazine after they published a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad. We are aware that a French magazine published cartoons featuring a figure resembling the Prophet Muhammad. Then White House Press Secretary Liar Jay Carney said during a September 19, 2012 press briefing, and obviously we have questions about the judgment of publishing something like this. In other words, we don't question the right of something like this to be published. We question the judgment behind the decision to publish it. So you might have the right to do it, but you shouldn't do it because why? The waste bucket Muhammad deserves respect. B.S. B.S. You know what? If I go to Egypt, then you know what? I will not disrespect their religion. But if you come here, you better get in line, raghead. You better get with the program or get ready to go in a plastic bag and a hole in the ground. That should be everybody's attitude in this country towards Muslims. You want to be here? That's fine. You want to practice your religion? That's fine. Do it like everybody else. Don't start blasting your stinking crap music over loudspeakers throughout a town where I got to hear it. I'm not interested in your religion. Keep it to yourselves. And if you can't do that, then get out. And if you want to get violent, I'm all for that. Let's get violent. And you know what? And that goes for everybody. That goes for anybody. That goes for the black community. That goes for the Muslim community. That goes for the Mexicans. That goes for everybody. That goes for the cops. It goes for everybody. Look, either start getting along or let's do it. Now, here's something truly disturbing, and I've been talking about for a real long time, and I'm going to talk about it more because that piece of garbage, Jeb Bush, from the corrupt criminal satanic family of the Bushes is gearing up to run for president. And he's a big, big, big supporter of Common Core. Oh, yeah, Common Core. I am, I am probably, I, the public school system, if I could get rid of one thing, okay, in this country, only one thing. I only get to get rid of one thing. No, it wouldn't even be the IRS. It would be the public school system. Get this. 
you're going to like this because, you know, the average U.S. college freshman reads at a seventh grade level, according to an educational assessment report. We are spending billions of dollars trying to send students to college and maintaining them when, on average, they read at about a grade six or seven level, according to Renaissance Learning's latest report on what American students in grades nine to 12 read, whether it's assigned reading or they choose to read it, said educational expert Dr. Sandra Stotsky. Stotsky, a professor emerit at the University of Arkansas, served on the Common Core Validation Committee in 2009 and 10, during which she called the standards inferior. She claimed the Common Core left out the very standards needed to prepare students for science, technology, engineering, and math careers. Oh, gee, I wonder why we have to import all the Indians. Huh? The average reading level for five of the top seven books assigned as summer reading by 341 colleges using Renaissance learning, Learning's readability formula was rated at 7.56, meaning halfway through seventh grade. The study also found that most high school graduates don't do much with mathematics past eighth grade compared to students in other high-achieving countries. In addition, the lack of difficult and complexity found in high school reading materials indicative of what colleges can assign to students once they enter higher education. And professors aren't requiring incoming students read at a college level. Nor are colleges sending a signal to the nation's high schools that high school level reading is needed for college readiness. Indeed, they seem to be suggesting that a middle school level of reading is satisfactory, even though most college textbooks and adult literary works written before 1970 require mature reading skills. Stotsky claims that reading development starts in elementary school and acknowledges the importance of a student's willingness to practice reading outside the classroom. She adds that despite societal changes over the past 100 years, both male and female students have continued to read the same type of material as past generations. Girls tend to gravitate towards books about relationships and animals, while boys enjoy adventure stories, military exploits, superheroes, and historical nonfiction. For almost 100 years, there have been many surveys in this country of what children prefer to read. Despite changes in immigration patterns, family literacy, and cultural influences, what boys and girls like to read has been relatively stable. According to Breitbart, Texas, Stotsky is credited with creating the strongest set of K-12 through academic standards in the country while working for the Massachusetts Develop of Edu uh, Department of Education and is responsible for developing licensure tests for prospective teachers, which they hate because they can't read either. Anyway, folks, we got to go. I'll be back again tonight. Coming up next is Financial Survival. We got a full, full, full day after that, so stay tuned. And as always, thanks for listening. Don't listen.
Are you concerned about prescription drug dependency to stay healthy? Are you worried that the cost and availability of your medications may put your health at risk? Perhaps it's time you consider a natural, safe, and effective way to deal with your health problems. If only you knew where to start. Start right here. Tune in to Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your healthcare options just became endless. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. My co-host, Alfred Addis, will be joining James Corbett of the Corbett Report for the second and third segment of the program today. And, of course, due to James' location, Japan, the program has to be recorded in the evening. So the program uh, with uh, Alfred and James was recorded last evening to be played for today. So thank you for joining us. It's Thursday. January 8, 2015. Let's go ahead and get right into the market report today. Uh, so you folks are stuck with me for 20 minutes. So gold today, 12.08, down 3.80. Still, still very strong at these numbers. Just it's down a few dollars today, a few dollars yesterday. But uh, considering we're hitting another, uh, heck, close to. Uh, closer to 93 earlier in the day for the U.S. dollar. So really, in, in with the markets, uh, I mean, gold is having its own showing, even though it's down a few dollars. So again, gold 1208, silver's down 21 at 1642. Ah, I don't know what's wrong with uh, these reports today. It shows both, uh, okay, platinum is down $4.00. At 12.23, along with palladium, 795 dollars. Not a lot of change, basically flat on the day there. 
USDX today, 0.32 to the upside at 92.33. Crude oil today, up 0.07 at 48.72. 48.72. And the paper markets today, you had the Dow surge 322 points. So, Again, we're just 100 points shy of that uh, 18,000 level. Um, all three major indexes now are positive. And, of course, they're cheering this all due to stabilizing oil prices. So, of course, Wall Street will be giddy. Uh, they'll be waiting for the report for tomorrow. But um, you have the Dow up 323 points. Up almost 2%, both the Dow and the NASDAQ. At 17,907, the NASDAQ up 85. At 4736. The S&P up 36 at 2062. And, of course, 10-year yield, which is expected to move up with a big jump in the market today, 0.06 to 2.2%. Not a big jump there, but... Uh, some of that money flowed out of there and into the paper markets. And um, so that's pretty much it there. Um, you know, the release of the Fed minutes earlier this week, you know, it's interpreted as a non-event. But look at the follow-through in stocks yesterday and today. I mean, yes, it was a non-event. There wasn't anything in there that no one had, you know, expected to read or interpret. And uh, everything was as is, but it was a a good sign, and again, it's supposedly because of the stabilization of oil, we've seen this big follow-through the past couple of days. But uh, we're certainly seeing the strength in the paper markets, and as I mentioned before, I think gold is performing stronger than I, I was really expecting with these other huge numbers. So there, there is something in the system that gold is saying, uh-uh, you know, I, there's more going on, and We'll see how it plays out. but uh, um, So I like what I see with gold. And uh, we had a little bit of liquidation, again, both yesterday and today. Um, but, again, the price has remained fairly stable. You have 12.20 as the near-term resistance for the closing price of gold. And, uh, of course, if it would close above that, we could uh, get some further gains with gold, uh, looking to about 1,250. And, uh, you know, we had the dollar rise again to a nine-year peak. And, uh, but you have to remember making dollar-denominated gold more expensive for holders of other currencies. We're going to wait. The markets, of course, uh, they probably already have the information or they've already received the information um, for the U.S. payrolls, payroll data coming out tomorrow. So, you know, we could see, you know, that is a good number, which I can't expect it to be anything but a good number, um, you know, you'll see another couple hundred points uh, increase in, in, in the paper markets. Um, leaving the, the markets here, you have the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC. They're in the middle of a uh, decision that's going to raise taxes for close to 90% Americans. Now, this, the, the FCC, they're considering to reclassify broadband as a telecommunications service 
that way, Washington could trigger new taxes and fees at the state and local level. Did you ever look at, when you had your hard lines, I know a few people have hard lines anymore, but look at your phone bills. I mean, look at all those taxes and fees they have on there. And, of course, now if they uh, are able to do this through the brand, uh, broadband, uh, you'll be paying even more. Even last year, this is a follow-through from what uh, Obama wanted. Uh, he wanted the Internet to be treated as a public utility, and now you have the FCC that they're trying to make the Internet um, a public utility. And this goes back and it falls under all the um, Communications Act way back to 1934, and uh, there's big consequences for the, for the taxpayers. You could face, again, as I mentioned, state and local taxes and fees. Uh, according to the Progressive Policy Institute, it would total $15 billion annually on average. Consumers would pay an additional $67 for landline, $72 for mobile broadband each year. And, of course, you know, the critics of this uh, would reduce investment in infrastructure. Now, it's really amazing. I, I've seen the growth in this industry, in the telecommunication industry, but they have invested more than $1.2 trillion on broadband infrastructure only since 1996 for 19 years, and maybe $1.2 trillion isn't a lot for, you know, 19 years, but it certainly does seem like an awful lot. And, of course, you know, you start changing the regulations and so forth, and, of course, this is just going to change it to uh, making it more difficult. Um, you actually have about 87% of Americans that do have access to broadband. And you would think it would be kind of foolish the government to discourage the, the, the significant investment requirement to, to maintain, expand, and improve uh, by subjecting this broadband to the way back into the 1930s regulation. But, uh, and again, uh, and what I really wanted to go on and see is, you know, with higher taxes, you know, in a period when you have individuals, you have families, you have them uh, uh, with less disposable income. And you would think at higher taxes, it would be bad for the economy. But since Obama's been in office for six years, you've had more than 20 tax increases that have been signed into law. And uh, But, you know, hey, what does it matter? An American taxpayer doesn't really care. You know, they you know, are just uh, reducing in other ways, and they're happy because their gasoline prices are going lower. So, hey. They can afford more taxes, so let's just change it around, give them a little few cents in return here so the government can take back double that. So, I mean, it really is kind of, it just makes you scratch your head and ponder, you know. Here's some other interesting information. America has lost one million corporations since their height during the Reagan era. And in part, they've been driven out of business by industrialized world's highest corporate tax rate. And this is a new report coming out from the uh, Tax Foundation. And this is just uh, issued research that revealed that the number of traditional C corporations has fallen to a historically low level and wiped out the corporate tax base, resulting in the federal government relying much more on the individual 
income taxes to fund their growth. There is now more net businesses income tax under the individual income tax system than the traditional corporate tax code, a trend that does not appear to be stopping anytime soon. Uh, this report continues. Another interesting fact it said that corporate closings have recently picked up steam and now 60,000 a year are shut down. Now, I don't know how many are created, but I mean, I think 60,000 a year that are being shut down for corporations seems to be like a, a fairly um, significant number. And as you're having, again, more taxes, less income, you know, taxpayers are getting strapped. There are new policies signed uh, by Obama. Uh, you know, he's patting himself on the back, saying that he's turned around the, the housing slump with home sales. Construction is up. Foreclosures are at the lowest level since 2006. And so now he's issuing or announcing a, a new step, and this is trimming mortgage insurance premiums so people can sort of help people buy their first home. So let's, you know, let's get the, you know, let's drop their down payments to 3%. Uh, let's cut their cost in, in mortgage insurance premiums. And, um, you know, that way it should help everyone buy those new homes. And they said the cut would save the average home buyer about 900 bucks a year. It would help 800,000 who refinance their mortgage also save money. And it will entice about 250,000 people to buy homes over the next three years. And on this rate cut, it's supposed to take effect by the end of this month. And it is no coincidence that this new policy begins at the same time that there are concerns about the housing market. Uh, in the late late latest issue of the American Survival, I had a list in there. It was a short list, but a list of concerns that could actually affect the housing industry for 2015. And we've reported on this for a year or so. And the big concern with a lot of folks out there is the uh, institutional investor that, have played, that has played a very important part, a huge role, as they purchased hundreds of thousands of homes to rent out. And if they begin to cash out, housing prices could begin to fall, and you're going to have a glut of homes in the market. So here's the government helping new, new home buyers um, get in the market. So, you know, perhaps this is, you know, there is nothing by coincidence. The NAR, the National Association of Realtors, reported that institutional buyers accounted for 15% of all sales in October, down from 20% in January. From January 2012 to August 2014, 200,000 purchases were made by institutional investors. And those who made purchases in 2012 could walk away with 38 to 43% if they sold now. I think we touched on this on the program also last week. With the stronger dollar, you have the foreign investors who have also helped in the recovery and the housing. They could also begin to walk away. You have Chinese buyers that, didn't, that were strong buyers. But Europe and Russia, with the problems, um, they're beginning to lag. Those, those buyers are beginning to back off. Um, income, we know incomes have failed to keep up with prices, uh, with home prices, and, and even with lending standards that have eased. You know, perhaps 
I don't believe it is strong enough to compensate for drops in, in housing, as, as previously mentioned. Um, then you had the higher mortgage rates. And uh, so, you know, if you have the housing market that becomes stagnant this year, 2015, I keep saying next year, but next year is already here. Um, could have some problem. And then let's not forget all these illegal aliens that have come into this uh, country that will be also looking for housing. Uh, we have a few minutes left before we go into the break. And I thought I would take a few minutes today to explain briefly why $20 gold pieces are a great way to buy gold. You hear a lot of negative comments out there. And, and I truly do believe that there are no bad coins out there. It's just how you buy them and what you expect them to do. So I think $20 gold pieces, pre-1933 gold coins, is a great way to buy gold. In Men's Stage 61, if you, still, if you don't get into the rare dates or, or the, the special dates, you want to buy the common dates. And even though they're called common dates, I mean, these beautiful U.S. gold coins, they're actually very scarce. I mean, there were millions of these coins that were originally minted. Almost all were heavily used in circulation during the 1800s and early 1900s. You only have a fraction of these coins that truly survive in mint state condition. And I'm going to have some numbers here. We'll also hear, let's see, did I keep those numbers? For mint state 61, $20 gold pieces, the total certified population for NGC and PCGS as of late last year is only 195,800 coins. 195, almost 196,000 coins. That's not a lot. That's all. And uh, so you get a scarcity that can mean higher premiums during periods of increased demand. And unlike most forms of gold bullion, they are exempt from broker reporting requirements. They offer all the benefits of gold bullion, plus extra benefits like limited supply, demand, complete financial privacy, and extra premium potential because of the scarcity. Are these true rare coins? I wouldn't classify these as rare coins, but they're certainly in a very limited supply of coins in a mint state 61. Now, your mint state 62s and mint state 62s, $20 liberties, there's actually more than certified from NGC and PCGS. Uh, and that is mainly because of the, the cost involved in going from a brilliant uncirculated to a mint state 61. They just don't seem to certify a whole lot of those coins. So that's why you see a limited supply. But then again, a lot of these were certainly used in circulation. With a mint state coin, you at least have the opportunity of taking advantage of the increased premium and trade for multiple ounces of gold. And we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow because we're going into a break. We're going to continue the special Mid-State 61 $20 Liberty Gold Piece certified by NGC or PCGS. Give us a call, 1-800-375-4188.
pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663 or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663 or thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Does the cost and risk of conventional health care concern you? Wouldn't you prefer inexpensive solutions to health problems rather than disease management? If so, tune into Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless. Here on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver at 1-800-375-4188 for all your gold and silver coin needs. Our guest is James Corbett from the Corbett Report, C-O-R-B-E-T-T-R-E-P-O-R-T.com, CorbettReport.com. James Corbett's been living and working in Japan for a decade now, uh, 11 years. I think uh, he started the Corbett Report that is an outlet for independent critical analysis of politics, society, history, and economics. We get to talk to James almost every week, and always a pleasure for me. It's always interesting. It's it's uh, <laughs> you learn something, and I'm always pretty much amazed. Um, I'm waiting to see if we have questions. I think James admitted we had a question once a few weeks ago that he wasn't necessarily able to answer, you know, extensively, but. Uh, 
that would be one out of maybe 50. Uh, maybe I posed 50 questions. Maybe one he couldn't answer extensively. We'll see if I have any tonight. Hello, James. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Happy New Year, Alfred. How you Happy doing? New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. How are things going in Japan with Abenomics? Uh Well, politically, economically, uh, in other ways, probably not so well. But at least me and my family are happy, and uh, that's that's the first part of the equation. And, uh, yes, unfortunately, I think this is going to be a, probably a pretty trying year for, for Japan overall in terms of the economic situation. And the political situation is going to deteriorate from here. So um, at any rate, I have a front row seat to whatever kind of fireworks are going to be taking place here and probably a front row seat to what's going to be coming down the line for a lot of the Americans in the crowd as well. And when you say coming down the Americans, do you think we're in the same boat and we will independently come to the same fate as Japan? Or are you suggesting that Japan is going to trigger things? Its troubles will eventually trigger things here in the United States. And as a consequence, at least in part of Japan, we may suffer some uh, you know, problems here in the, country, in the USA. Hmm. Well, I, I think their fates are, are linked in a lot of different ways. And uh, I, I, I mean, one very simple and, and obvious uh, way in which they're linked is the fact that the U.S. dollar slash Japanese yen exchange rate uh, when you chart that against the Nikkei uh, stock index here in Japan, I mean, it's, it's in lockstep. Every time the, the yen is devalued, the stock uh, index here goes up. So, yay. They've managed, to, I think, it's something like a 26% rise in the Nikkei since early, uh, sorry, early two years ago, no, 2013. And uh, that's on the back of something like a 22% devaluation of the currency, or maybe that's the other way around. But, but uh, at any rate, it is in lockstep, and when you plot them together, it's quite obvious that just the more that the uh, yen is devalued, the more the stock market goes up. And in a lot of ways, that's similar to what we've uh, been seeing taking place in the American economy, not so much the devaluation of the dollar uh, against other currencies, but just the, the sort of pumping up of the the uh, quantitative easing and the flooding into um, the, the bank's pockets of various uh, reserve funds, which has allowed them to speculate more in derivatives and get more involved in uh, equities markets, which, of course, has propped up the U.S. markets for the last few years. And, of course, we've seen the record high after record high on the S&P and the Dow. And, uh, again, I'm very skeptical that that will be maintained even throughout the, this year. I, I think that uh, it's going to be very difficult for the Fed to be able to maintain that, especially as they start to talk about uh, raising interest rates again. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see what actually eventuates from that, but I can't imagine them actually successfully raising interest rates without having knock-on effects in the bond and uh, stock markets. You know, I've got an article. I'm looking at an article that was written by Tyler Durden at ZeroHedge.com, and it's entitled Seven Reasons to be Fearful. Right? He has seven items to watch out for that for the we're seeing trouble. And the first three items are, one, a strong dollar. He says a strong dollar is in the best interest of the United States until it isn't. And he goes on and elaborates on that a little bit. Item number two, emerging markets. He said, watch out for emerging markets. But here's why. For the developing world, persistent dollar strengthening invites a great deal of instability. And what we're seeing here, his first item is a strong dollar. His second item is a consequence of strong dollars. And his third item of the seven to be feared are cheap oil, which, again, is at least in part due to the rising, the the deflation of the dollar and its rising value. Um, the point I'm trying to make, he's 
picking out three of his seven items to be fearful of go to the idea that we are seeing deflation in the dollar and that it's becoming that its purchasing power is growing. Is that something we should fear? Most people would sit back and say, well, strong dollar, you know, it's got to be good. Is it? In a time in which the U.S. was the global uh, engine for behind uh, global economic growth, I think that the strong dollar was, I mean, well, it certainly worked out for the American population at the end of the day. But uh, we are no longer in such a world, and I think that's going to be made more and more explicit in the coming years, probably. I mean, by, by this year, I think we'll start to really see some of these effects. So, for, I mean, for example, talking about the way that the strong dollar can affect emerging markets, we saw that uh, back, I want to say last year, but I guess two years ago, back in 2013, where we saw the, the, uh, the, the sudden devaluation of the rupee um, as a result of the, the unwinding of the uh, quantitative easing. We started to see some of that money flowing out of the emerging markets and back into the U.S. economy, and of course that brought down uh, what was happening in, in India and other places at the time. So we saw a big knock-on effect on the rupee, which slowed down Indian economic growth. And obviously what we're seeing right now, of course, is affecting the Russian uh, ruble, which is plummeting right now against the U.S. dollar. And of course that's cutting into the Russian economy, which uh, we're starting to, to see the depletion of Russian reserves in a pitch to try to maintain something like a, uh, a, a not a ruble peg to the dollar, but at least some sort of um, stability, stability in that exchange. Yeah, but of course that's going to deplete the Russian reserves pretty quickly as well. So I, I, again, I think all of this plays into, including the cheap oil, it all plays into that decoupling of the global system from the U.S. Uh, economic driver of growth that we saw in, in decades past. And what we're seeing, again, is the emergence of this other part of the global economy, now the, the fastest growing part, the, the emerging markets, increasingly being left out and of, of the American loop, uh, economically speaking. And that can be a bad thing, I suppose, but it can also be a good thing, I suppose, depending on which way you're looking at it. And uh, uh, ultimately what it means is that these emerging markets are going to be more and more relying on each other than relying on American trade to uh, to fuel their their emergence uh, from the economic doldrums, and uh, that's probably in the end of the day that's not a good thing for the American population, which again is seeing itself decoupled from this system. So, uh, and and as that article you're referring to points out, I mean, uh, dollar appreciation, the de devaluation, uh, sorry, the deflation in the dollar is actually going to hurt the uh, American economy in terms of its exports. I mean, to the extent that there is still American-made products that there are to be exported, that is going to cut into uh, the, 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 the comparative price advantage in various countries. So that, I mean, for example, here in Japan, just as one example, I mean, the price of an Apple iPhone uh, continues to go up here because, of course, the yen is continuing to be devalued, so Apple needs to uh, ramp up their rates. Or McDonald's recently raised their hamburger rates. Not that that affects me or my family, but still, it's uh, it's just another sign of what's what's happening globally. So all of this cuts into American manufacturers and American corporations' uh, interests abroad. I've heard a couple of reports that calculate the problem with the emerging markets is that they were hot. They had several years when things were really good, doing well for them. And during that period of time, entrepreneurs, corporations in the emerging markets borrowed, they went into debt in order to invest and try to catch that wave and, uh, you know, get rich. But the problem for many of them is that they borrowed dollars, all right? 
and they borrowed dollars before we saw any sign of deflation. And it was an intelligent bet when they borrowed dollars because we've had inflation, inflation, inflation. You could count on it. It's the reason why people – it's a primary reason why people buy mortgages or buy homes in this country. They're assured that when they take out the mortgage for 20 years, 30 years, you're going to be able to pay off that debt with cheaper dollars thanks to the persistent inflation we've had in this country for most of my lifetime. All right? And then all of a sudden we go from – inflation to deflation, at least on the international markets. And as a result, these people have borrowed in the emerging markets. Now they're paying off not in cheaper dollars, which has been a sure bet for most of my lifetime. They're paying, paying off in more expensive dollars, and this predisposes them to bankrupt. They can't make their payment. They tend to default on their debt, and this is perhaps the danger of the strengthening dollar, the deflating dollar on the emerging markets. That is absolutely, yes, one of the dangers. And I think you pointed that out very, very succinctly there, because this is really analogous to the yen carry trade that's gone on for quite a long time, where people have bet on the 0% rates or very close to it that have been available in Japan for borrowing yen basically for no cost. So people will borrow in yen and then use that to speculate and then, of course, unwind that back out of the yen. So that's that's been the main driver of the U.S. dollar-Japanese yen exchange for a long time. But in recent years, when we've seen the, the Fed lowering its interest rates down to very, very low levels, um, we've seen basically investors looking for anywhere that they can try to get uh, actual uh, return on their investments, obviously not in U.S. treasuries. So they've been pouring out of the dollar and, as you say, speculating in emerging, emerging markets, which have been red hot, especially last decade. And so, um, a again, as we see uh, that starting to unwind because of the deflation of the dollar, we're going to see that hurting the emerging markets and, of course, the people who were um, speculating in those markets. The longer they hold in those markets, the, longer they're going, the more they're going to be hurt by this. So this is uh, a very unstable uh, time, and it's going to involve a lot of unwinding. And it's, I think, also, I mean, uh, another factor in all of this, of course, is the deflation that we're seeing across the commodities markets board right now, um, from oil to gold to a lot of other commodities um, are, are coming up short. So we are seeing very much a, 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 a very deleveraging or a, a sort of a, a backwards uh, incentive to the one that has been in effect for the last several years, where people were pay, playing with easy you know, funny money from the U.S. Uh, from U.S. dollars and speculating around the world, we're going to see the unwinding of that, and that's obviously going to have some knock-on effects. And uh, I think we're already starting to see those effects right now. One of the things that's interesting about this deflation, no one even talked, virtually no one talked about deflation this time a year ago. And right now it's, com it's a common subject, and we've had to come learn about it a little since in the last five or six months, we've been called on to learn about deflation. What's it mean and what are the consequences? And the reason is because we see evidence of deflation in the U.S. dollar index, where the dollar has gone from in the 70s range on up to 92 today on the U.S. dollar index. Something would have been just incomprehensible 60, 90 days ago, it would be hard to believe. And right now there it is, and likely to go higher. Now, the U.S. dollar index is a measure of the dollar's purchasing power against six foreign currencies. So we can sit back and say there's evidence of deflation on the international level for the dollar. 
The dollar is gaining in value in the area of international trade relative to these six other countries and their currencies, which are losing value. But does that deflation that we see on the U.S. dollar index in the international markets, does that deflation, is that also affecting within the domestic economy of the United States? Are we seeing well, deflation uh, yeah. here, or are we still could we, could we still be seeing some semblance of inflation domestically while we have deflation internationally? Does that make any sense? And if so, yeah. the, the, the question doesn't make sense, but I think it can't be answered by the official statistics that come out of the uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics and other such places that clearly manipulate all of these types of stats. So I, I mean, I would ask yourself and, and those in the audience to think about their own daily shopping routines and whether they've seen any of this deflation in their own lives. I think probably one place that most people have seen it by this point is the falling uh, oil price probably has knocked down the yes. gas price. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, but has that knocked on to other products? I mean, are people seeing their grocery bills decreasing? I, I'm skeptical that that's the case, but perhaps you can tell me otherwise. I can tell you that about a month ago, I wrote an article where I – or at least talked about it on the radio program with Melody one time, pointed out – I said it's mixed. I, we, have, we have some evidence of inflation, some evidence of deflation. I'm not going to believe we are in – inflation in this country until I see my grocery bills begin to fall. I've been watching. You can see it go up every couple of weeks. You go to the grocery store and you can see the prices higher than they were just a couple of weeks ago. That was true for perhaps a couple of years in this country. And then about a week or two ago, went to the grocery store and I had no subjective impression that the prices had, had gone up. And then we got a report that, in fact, food prices had dropped by two-tenths of a percent for the previous month. Now, that's not much, but on the other hand, I told Melody I'm not going to believe in deflation until I see the grocery bill go down. And it did go down just a shade, first time in a couple of years that I can recall. So maybe we are. Maybe deflation is catching on here in the country, and it is typically – so traditionally, it's it's one of the attributes or hallmarks of uh, economic depression. Do you yes, think you're exactly right? Yes, yes, because a, a lot of people have fixated on this idea of hyperinflationary depression or the Weimar Republic type of toilet paper printing press uh, idea. But uh, but exactly right. I mean, the depression, like the Great Depression, was essentially a deflationary depression. It was a contraction of the money supply that actually caused. The, the carnage in the 1930s. So, I mean, it's not necessarily going to be happiness and rainbows just because it's the other way around. And then even besides that, you have some people who will still argue that, yes, we're going through a deflationary cycle now, but on the other end of that is a hyperinflationary cycle. So uh, there's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, doom and gloom, economically speaking, either, either way. Um, it's not necessarily going to be a good thing. I mean, the ideal is to have the money supply growing at the exact ideal rate for the economy, and obviously that's not happening right now. Well, when we get back, we're going to take a break for some commercials here in just a moment. But when we get back, here's a, here's a question for you. The hyperinflationary depressions we're talking about, do they only happen when we have a fiat currency, or have we ever had a hyperinflationary depression when we still had a gold or silver-based currency? We'll talk about that when I get back with my guest, James Corbett, from the Corbett Report. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back on Financial Survival. Thank you. 
pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic, just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad spectrum immune boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Adams here on Financial Survival with our guest James Corbett from the Corbett Reports, CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, Report.com. We're talking, peculiar question, were there instances of hyperinflation associated with an economic depression before we got to a pure fiat currency? Well, again, define pure fiat currency. I well, mean, one that's not backed by anything other than just somebody's promise to pay. It has well, can't be redeemed for anything tangible from the issuer. Government issues right. the currency or the Federal Reserve issues it. Somebody, it's like me writing a check. All right, and I write a check to you for $1,000. Well, that's just a promise to pay. If you send that to the bank and the bank says, sorry, sorry Al doesn't have any money in the bank account, or... By law, we've declared that you can't redeem it on the account that it was issued from, meaning the Federal Reserve or perhaps the federal government. To me, that's a fiat currency. You've got to get it by finding somebody else and say, well, I can't get the government to redeem my piece of paper, but I know this guy down the street. He'll go for it. He's a dummy. I can give him this piece of paper, and he'll give me his bass boat. I can get a tangible payment by exchanging it with someone down the street. Does that make any sense? Yes, yes, I see what you're saying. Well, keeping all of that in mind, we should keep in mind that in the 1920s and 30s leading up to the, the Great Depression, of course, the, the world generally was not operating on a 
on a dollar reserve system. It was operating on a gold reserve system. That's right. Uh, central banks kept gold as as their means of settling exchange through uh, through the international system. So uh, there was a gold uh, standard, and of course in America that was a, a gold backing for the the dollars that were being um, created at that time. Um, there was still the the chance to redeem uh, currency in gold at the start of the depression. Yep. So. Yeah, no. I, I mean, there there can be. I mean, even with the gold backing, there can be a a, a depression cycle. But again, as we were saying, that was a deep de- uh, a deflationary depression cycle. That's right. I, in Weimar Germany, what you had was the the hyperinflation that was caused by overprinting of the money. So, um, I, uh, I, you know, they, I they had a fiat currency. They had hyperinflation with a fiat currency. But I'm wondering if anyone had hyperinflation when we had a, an asset-based currency that was backed by gold or silver. Right. If, if there if there is an example of a hyperinflationary commodity currency uh, in in history, I don't know of it. So I mean, I'm willing to be proven wrong on that part. No, I understand. But I don't. I mean, I, you know, I, I certainly don't know. But it raises another thing that I'm curious about. I'm certainly not. I don't have any significant education in economics. I'm merely a student. That's all I am at best. But I have something that bothers me. I I see the money as fundamental. And the difference between a fiat currency and a currency that can be redeemed in gold or silver backed by some sort of a physical commodity, I see these as two different concepts that are so different, I wonder that the same economic principles that were first suggested by Adam Smith in the Wealth of Nations when they had gold and silver for their money. Do those same economic principles find demand, for example? Do they work today with a fiat currency the same way they worked with an asset-based currency when classical economics was discovered? To me, it's like having a formula for calculating numbers, and it's based on square root. And when you have asset-based money, you have a positive number and you can find the square root, but when you have fiat currency, it's like having a negative number. And what's the square root of a negative number? Yes. Well, I I definitely see what you're saying here. I I think my first response would be that the the fundamental laws of of the economy, like the fundamental laws of nature, you know, don't change. But the ways that we relate to them in different systems can be different. And, and as one, uh, just as an approximation at an answer, because obviously I think I'd need more time to think about and develop a good answer to this question, but as one approximation to that answer. <laughs> is, that, could, is, that a, is that two for me? No, no, one and a half. One and okay, a half. one and you half an answer here. Okay. But, I mean, we could think about um, Newtonian physics uh, yep. calculating gra- the laws of gravity are good enough for horseshoes and hand grenades, as they say. I mean, yep. they, they get the idea, but at, at most levels of what we do on a daily basis. But then Einstein comes along and 100 and whatever years later and, and says, well, actually, you know, it's these, in these cases, it's, it's actually different, and it's actually a different law, but Newton's a pretty good approximation. And so, I mean, in, in the same way, you could say that perhaps laws of economic reality are, are in, a, in a similar manner. They're, they're good enough for certain situations, but when you get into different situations, you find out it's actually somewhat different. Um, but, I, I, you know, I would say that, that fundamentally, my, my fundamental understanding of the economy is that, that any money, any money whatsoever comes down ultimately to the level of trust and faith 
and belief in a certain thing as a currency. I mean, again, what what makes gold different other than, yeah, okay, I mean, you mine it from the ground and there's only a certain set amount, but but ultimately, if people don't value gold, if people don't have that faith in it as, a, as an exchangeable commodity, if people, for example, don't trust that it's not being, you know, um, uh, you know, tungsten wrapped in gold plating or whatever. If people don't have the faith and in that as an exchange, right? Maybe, right. But, but, but if people have faith in that as a system, then it can. I agree with you. I agree. So yeah. So but but now we're we're in this this completely fiat um, system where obviously the U.S. dollar is whatever the U.S. government or more accurately the Fed decides it to be, and however much you know they want to expand the money supply or contract it then we are in a completely manipulated reality where everything really just depends on what people perceive to be the truth. So if people perceive that the, the Fed is, is tightening now and or, or expanding or whatever they, they perceive, then they'll front run that and they'll bet against it or for it, or, or they'll get into these strange mind games where bad news for the economy actually means that people will bet more on the stock market because you know this means oh well they're going to open up the floodgates and, and rain more money from uh, from the fed so so you, you get that type of reality but that reality fundamentally still is working on on the same principles it's just operating in a in a sort of different paradigm where everything is just what do you think the central bankers are going to do well we saw an example of that just recently where janet yellen came out and she said the word patience and the market jumped up over 18. The Dow jumped up over 18,000. Now, yeah. what kind of a market do we have? What What is the relationship between the market, the stock market, and reality if the chairman of the Federal Reserve can simply say one magic word and it jumps? What if she'd said <laughs> impatience? Would it have collapsed by 1,000 points, or what would happen? Yeah, if they'd raised, raised, raised it, may have. Um, no, this is exactly the point. Uh, we live in a command and control economy uh, to a certain extent. It's just what extent does that take place? And obviously, when you have a, an economy that is so heavily dependent on the pronouncements of a single central banker, I mean, it, it absolutely is command and control. And, uh, I mean, let's just reflect on the fact that, uh, that clearly uh, we live in a system that is – really quite analogous in a lot of ways. In fact, in some ways, quite quite uh, absolutely spot on with uh, regards to the, the Communist Manifesto and the principles yep. that were outlined in it. At the yep. end of Chapter 2, Marx wrote the, the, the ten planks of the, the Communist Manifesto, um, a lot of which are taken place, are, are, are actually existing in the United States right now, including uh, a heavy progressive or graduated income tax, abolition of all rights of inheritance, i.e. inheritance tax, right? Uh, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. Well, we haven't gotten there yet, but, you know, I mean, I think that we could envision that. Working uh, on centralization. it. Yeah, exactly, working on it. Centralize, centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and exclusive monopoly. Well, hello, Federal Reserve. I mean, so much of this has actually taken place that, uh, that yes, it is a form of command and control economy, and uh, it's just a question to what extent is America steeped in it at the moment. And to what extent does it reflect the economy run by the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland? You know, there's a certain amount of communism and a certain amount of just tomfoolery in this thing, and hard to know where we're going about deflation. What do you predict in 2015? Will deflation continue? Will we see growing evidence of deflation, or will the Federal Reserve 
essentially say we've got to have inflation no matter what, and we're going to step in here and do something to reverse the evidence of deflation. I don't imagine that the Federal Reserve is going to step in to stem this tide. I I think that, that whatever is going to happen is probably more likely going to be dictated by the periphery, i.e. the emerging markets or more specifically the BRICS. I think if they did make some sort of ploy this year for whatever it may be, I mean, as we've talked about many times here, the death of a thousand paper cuts is going on, but if they did some sort of spectacular maneuver and actually did try to institute, I don't know, some sort of BRICS currency or some sort of gold backing to the yuan or the ruble or something of that nature, that would be a game changer. But other than that, I think that the uh, the tendency is for this deflation in the dollar, the strengthening of the dollar to continue. Uh, I don't see anything that's going to knock the dollar off its horse unless there is some sort of combined effort like that um, on the periphery. But I don't, again, I don't see that coming this year because precisely because everything points to China trying to angle its way into the IMF special drawing rights basket. And I don't think they're going to do anything to upset that cart right now. And uh, the Russian side of things is not going well. I'm about to write for the forecaster for this coming weekend about the Eurasian Economic Union, which, uh, you know, has officially arrived, but seems to be dead on arrival, or at any rate, is pretty moribund and doesn't look like it's going to amount to very much uh, anytime soon. So I don't see a significant competitor arising on the world stage this year, unless, again, unless there is some sort of one of those spectacular announcements coming along uh, down the pipe. Well, the problem you have, my understanding of deflation is the principal problem is by making the dollar more valuable, you increase the burden on existing debtors, and you make it more likely that they're going to default. And when they do, we wipe out the currency. We wipe out that, that portion of currency. Um, the danger is in the, is in the deflation will help precipitate bankruptcies, and ultimately, once they get rolling, there's, there's the danger. That's not just a danger to individuals, and it's not just a danger to companies. It seems to me that it is inevitably a danger to the biggest debtor nation in the world, the biggest debtor government in the world, and that's the United States. How are they are – they, will our national debt and whatever other obligations the government's assumed, will, they, will we be able to meet them during a time of deflation, or is the Federal Reserve and the government afraid – and sitting back, oh, my God, we've got to stop this. They're not able to pay their debts off with cheaper dollars. I mean, they were betting on that for most of my lifetime for inflation, and now all of a sudden they don't appear to have inflation. That's terrible for debtors everywhere in the world, or at least debtors in, in, in dollars. Yeah, exactly. And and you're exactly right about that. And that does that is a significant game changer. And that doesn't I mean that does affect the national debt, but not just the national debt. Uh, consumer debt has been rising again after a brief pullback after the 2008 uh, collapse. And of course now we not only have uh, a regrowth in the birth of uh, subprime mortgages, if you can believe it, but also subprime car loans. Uh, student debt is now at record levels, surpassing even credit card debt. There is a significant amount of debt uh, by the American consumer out there right now, of course, denominated in dollars, which, as you say, is deflating, which is going to affect debtors. So absolutely, this is not a good thing. And when you put that on the back of the decline in oil prices, which, of course, um, play heavily into the, the derivatives market, which the banks have been speculating in, and the possibility of bank collapses and bank bail-ins, which are facilitated by the new rules drafted up and uh, approved at the G20 last uh, at the end of last year. It's a perfect storm for a lot of bad things to be happening. And uh, once 
again, let's just take a moment to reflect that all of this is happening in this realm of this extreme, of what we know to be these manipulated markets of the, 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 the Federal Reserve notes and, uh, and everything that's backed up on them, which, um, again, is hundreds of trillions of dollars in notional uh, derivatives and all of this, this craziness that the banks are playing with. So I, I think the answer to all of these problems for the average person is not going to come from within that, that system. It's not going to come from within the Federal Reserve note system as we've known it. So what is the answer? Again, I think there's a lot of different answers, but I mean, one of them, of course, um, gold has maintained its value for thousands of years and probably will do so in the event of the next hyperinflationary death of the next uh, uh, fiat currency, which has happened time and time again throughout history. But uh, uh, in terms of making actual exchanges with real people in our real lives every day, that is more likely than not going to be facilitated through community exchanges, alternative currencies, let systems, power systems, barter systems, exchange systems that more and more are popping up and being facilitated by some of these new technologies that make it easier than ever for people to interact in these kind of uh, uh, through these types of systems. And I think that ultimately is going to be, I mean, if we do see a catastrophic collapse, that is what people are going to rely on. It's what people relied on in the 1920s in Weimar, Germany. They were trading and, and bartering directly with each other, more so than they were using gold to, to, uh, to buy things from each other. So I think that's probably the, the best thing that we can be starting to get involved in. And it doesn't have to be everything, and it doesn't have to be you know the whole farm right away, but just, just starting to get involved with those things at the community level, while we still can, while we still have the luxury of dabbling in it, is going to be, I think, really helpful in the long run. Regardless we're going to not let it go. We're going to have to let it go on that note. What you're going to need, folks, to get through the problem, if we're going to have a problem, is friends. Okay, you're not going to likely get through on your own. You're going to need friends who will help you. We're out of time. I want to thank James Corbett for being on the program again. I always have fun with uh, talking to James. Always interesting and, for me, I don't know, fascinating. Thank you, James. Thank you for being here. Look forward to seeing you again next Wednesday. Uh, um, and in the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me. Uh, Frank, the producer, Melody Cedars. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day To give me the bills I have to pay Ain't it sad Still there never seems to be A single penny left for me That's too bad In my dream I have a plan If I got me a wealthy Does the cost and risk of conventional health care concern you? Wouldn't you prefer inexpensive solutions to health problems rather than disease management? If so, tune into Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson every Tuesday and Thursday evening, 7 p.m. on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, where your health care options just became endless.
have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe, all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC didn't use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LMB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- Two two five four six five nine. That's five four one two two five four six five nine. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men who jump and die. Men who mean just what they say, the brave men of the Green Beret, silver wing upon their chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today. But only free when the Green Beret Trained to live off nature's land Trained in combat and a hand Men who fight 
by night and day. Courage takes from the green beret. Silver wings upon the chest. These are men, America's best. One hundred men will test today. But only three win the green beret. Back at home, a young wife waits. Her green beret has met his fate. He has died for those oppressed, leaving her this last request. Put silver wings on my son's chest. Make him one of America's best. He'll be a man. They'll test one day. You're listening to American Voice Radio Freedom Call. I'm your host. My name is Bo Greitz. And the best way to communicate with me is through Al Gore's invention of the World Wide Web and Internet. My address is simply B-O-G-R-I-T-Z at msn.com Bogrites B-O-G-R-I-T-Z at msn.com Now there's uh, two items of news that I think uh, are absolutely essential to your understanding today. The first one is national and God be praised in Athens, Texas. I mean, this shows that the Holy Spirit is among us and that God still reigns and rules. In Athens, Texas, there is a manger seen outside of the local courthouse. Now, of course, atheists, uh, national organization uh, is outraged and uh, threatening through ACLU lawyers uh, to sue the city of Athens. And they are demanding that the courts order the people of Athens to remove the manger scene. Well, thousands. Now, you've been hearing about uh, all of the protesters, as they started this Arab Spring uh, back last year, and how through every country they were basically uh, taking over through insurgency, throwing the old dictatorships out like Muammar Gaddafi and uh, uh, Mubarak, from Egypt, that both of them had been in there for 40 years or more, and uh, taken over the government. 
and Hillary Clinton and everybody was saying, oh, hooray, it's the will of the people. Yes, and I was asking the whole time, who is behind this? This isn't something uh, that starts uh, where uh, the police uh, destroy a little cart vendor and berate him uh, in front of uh, the public, and all of a sudden the people rise up and overthrow the government. And then it spreads from one country to the next over in the Middle East. This is an organized effort with a big purpose behind it. And what I'm thinking is that what's happened in Athens, Texas, and then we had, you know, of course, our uh, Occupy. This is where a lot of uh, homeless, a lot of bums, a lot of uh, very liberal people have been occupying, like Wall Street, they're occupying uh, these parks in the cities and uh, soiling them, not picking up their trash. And finally, when they're made to move, it's costing as much as 200,000 taxpayer dollars to go back and repair and replace and clean up the crap that they've left. And so they call this the, the Occupy Movement. Well, here is an Occupy Movement that uh, I can support. And that is out of Athens, Texas. You know, they got Athens, Georgia. Well, they got everything in Texas. And Athens, Texas has got a manger outside the courthouse. Thousands of Athens, Texas citizens and residents are protesting to keep the manger scene. And is what what is really outstanding is that the judge in Athens, Texas, has ruled that the major scene can remain. The national atheists are outraged. They're running around holding their backsides and not knowing exactly what to do. So you've got the people, you have the law enforcement, uh, you have the uh, Judicial, the Article Three court, saying the manger scene is all right. You have spokesmen for the people who are standing up on the courthouse steps saying it's time America renew its morals. It's time that we recognize that we have one king, Jesus the Christ, it is time to understand that America is a nation under God, and this is the time that we choose to recognize the Messiah birth and God's gift to us. I mean, can you imagine this? Hallelujah. Thank God for Texans. You know, I normally wouldn't let Texans, and I usually ask the question when I'm given a lock-picking class where we're using uh, rather delicate <coughs> instruments, uh, tension tools, and various picks. 
And I ask if anybody uh, is from Texas. And then if nobody raises their hand, I'll say, does anybody uh, know anybody in Texas? And if they raise their hands, I'd say, now, listen, uh, I want you to be in a special group where we can monitor you because uh, people that have any blood in them from Texas has got this way of taking my tension tools. And while you're supposed to maintain just light tension so that you can see when you've lifted a pen on a pen tumbler lock or a wafer on a wafer uh, lock uh, high enough to hit the shear line. But what happens in Texas, they twist those tension tools like a truck driver would bust a nut uh, off a flat tire and it wrings the neck on the tension tool, and there is no way you're going to force that lock to turn uh, when you've just got a stainless steel tension tool in there. But today, you know, on other things, you know, Texas, you got to be careful. I loved it uh, when uh, the governor of Texas, uh, they were everybody, the president, on down was trying to get the governor of Texas to uh, forgive this Mexican who had raped and murdered a white woman. And uh, all of his appeals uh, were exhausted. But everybody, it seemed, uh, was uh, petitioning him uh, to uh, release this man, forgive this man, don't execute this man. And the governor of Texas said, this is Texas. This is Texas law. He murdered a Texan. He's dying on schedule. And they didn't have any of the chemicals uh, left over. Uh, they didn't have enough to uh, give him, uh, you know, this uh, lethal injection. So. The governor said, it doesn't make any difference. Use whatever they use to kill dogs. And that's exactly what they did. Just like uh, only I think dogs are probably a lot better than this person. But they still had uh, the the veterinarians and the canine uh, centers uh, and, you know, the dog catchers where they destroy animals after a while, they had plenty. And so uh, that Mexican who raped and murdered that lady, a Texan, died on schedule according to Texas law. And now even the judge in Athens, Texas, and the police and the citizens by the thousands are saying, don't touch our manger. Can you imagine if that happened all over the United States? What a blessing God may have reserved and in store for us. Hallelujah, I say. And God bless you, Texas. Keep it up. All right, now the second issue is uh, international, and it involves North Korea, which is probably uh, the most dangerous uh, nation in the world. You may say, oh, uh, Bo, I think uh, Iran may be 
they threaten Israel, and they say Israel doesn't have a right uh, to exist, and that if Israel attacks, uh, they're going to attack the United States, that Iran is going to use a, uh, you know, one of these uh, atomic uh, weapons that they fire at high altitudes, and uh, the EMP, the electromagnetic pulse, could actually destroy America because we're so dependent on computer-driven items in our lives. <coughs> and North Korea uh, today is announcing that uh, Kim Jong-il, who was the dictator there, after Kim Il-sung, uh, the Kim Jong-il's dad, uh, died in 1994. They've had a hundred years of uh, of the of this almost dynasty uh, by the Kim, uh, which is the proper name. You say it first over in Asia, and then uh, their personal name, like Kim Il Sung. Uh, he died in 1994. Now Kim Jong Il, uh, he's dead. He was 69. Died. Uh, you know, aboard a train, they say that he died of a combination of diabetes, a stroke, and, uh, you know, heart failure. Uh, it, it'll be interesting because Kim uh, Jong-un, U-N, only pronounce it un, like U-double-O-N, Kim Jong-un is uh, a... Uh, a younger son of Kim Jong-il, and uh, he was appointed by his daddy because he's the most militant of the boys. He is a son from Kim Jong-il's third wife, and uh, he now is, uh, they're saying on the news, uh, he is, uh, you know, the great replacement for uh, Kim Jong-il. Uh, well, uh, it's very interesting because uh, Un uh, is not that popular. And in North Korea, if you are going to remain alive and in power, it takes three things. You have to have the military on your side. You have to have the internal police and security system on your side. And you must have the Communist Party on your side. Now, no doubt, because I remember, maybe you do too, when Kim Jong-il said my successor will be uh, my youngest son, Kim Jong-un. And uh, then, uh, you know, nobody said anything. I don't know if anybody remembered. But uh, now that Kim Jong-il is in hell, and I'm not his judge, but uh, it's so obvious 
Uh, he spent a million dollars a year on uh, entertainment and food and uh, lavishness. And yet his people, he wouldn't buy food. He wouldn't support uh, the, uh, the, the agriculture, the uh, cattle uh, producing, pigs. He wouldn't support any of that in his country. And his country is made up of starving people because he is the most heinous, the most uh, dictatorial nation on earth. Now, you may say, well, boy, that uh, is, is debatable because Burma has strong communists. Yes, they do. Vietnam has strong communists. Yes, they do. Laos, yes. And uh, Cuba, mm, uh, maybe, you know, uh, we'll see. It's not over yet. And uh, what about Cambodia? Yeah, sure. And then there are these Marxist countries in Africa, and they aren't, uh, I mean, they are dictatorships, but they are not uh, cruel uh, to the people. They don't execute you if you don't uh, instantly kowtow or if you were to dare say anything against the government. Now, it's interesting because the South Koreans are on full alert. They think that uh, Kim Jong-un may do something, but the point is America has 28,500 military personnel in South Korea, and we're not uh, even on alert other than to increase our surveillance. That's through satellite. <coughs> you can see uh, North Korea, it's actually pretty smart. We send everything, even your telephone, which may have wires, Nevertheless, it goes uh, to uh, a, a transceiver, and it is broadcast uh, by radio waves uh, to other receivers and gradually uh, gets long distance or uh, gets to the next person in town. So everything in America is basically computerized and is basically wireless. Now, in Korea, it is exactly the opposite. Everything is hardwired, which means that uh, the Army Security Agency, for example, the National Security Agency, for a big example, what they do is primarily suck up conversations that uh, are sent by uh, wireless by radio waves, and uh, what they do is they have linguists. Uh, I was one of them. They sent me to school for 77 weeks on Chinese Mandarin. But they have linguists in all languages that uh, they tape everything, and then they interpret all of this, 
And so we can basically intercept and pull down telephone conversations, government transmissions all over the world. But in North Korea, it is very difficult because everything is hardwired. They don't use any transmissions. They use men on bicycles or motorcycles for long distance, and they use hardwired telephone. And so it has meant it's very difficult. Now, in uh, 1978, I know you may say, whoa, it sounded like a long time ago, Bo. But in 1978, there was a, an, a major, Army major, that was working at Fort Meade, Maryland, for the National Security Agency. And uh, he was a specialist in North Korea. So he decided what he was going to do was just uh, put... Pyongyang, which is the capital of North Korea, under the microscope to see if Pyongyang, uh, with all of the information that he had at his fingertips through uh, NSA and CIA and ASA and all of these other intelligence agencies, what is going on in Pyongyang? Well, he was amazed that Pyongyang was 10 times the military might in tanks and bayonets, uh, which means, you know, like infantry and, and in uh, aircraft and cannons. All these warfighting uh, materials and personnel were much, much higher than NSA had ever thought of before. So Major Armstrong... Uh, immediately saw the danger because Jimmy Carter, you go back and look, was a president of the United States, and he and uh, Cyrus Vance, his secretary of state, had decided to pull the American troops out of South Korea at this time. Now, Carol Brown was the secretary of defense then, I know, because I was on the staff of the Secretary of Defense, and it was shocking, because this Armstrong report, once he he pulled everybody together, and they did a whole Korea study, and what they found was that, for example, there were twice as many submarines, fighter planes, bombers, Uh, they had airfields that were actually underground, dug into the mountainside that were completely covered planes, just like James Bond would actually fly out of the mouth of these caves. They had the same thing for artillery that was right up on the DMZ. And all of a sudden, it became very questionable what would happen if these troops American troops, American war uh, air uh, planes and fighters and uh, these kinds of units were to be pulled out. Would Kim Il-sung attack? And then all of a sudden something stranger happened. 
the Armstrong report was not only top secret, but it was forbidden to be released because Jimmy Carter was sending Harold Brown to pull the troops out, and nothing was going to stop it. All right, now stay with uh, American Voice Radio, and uh, we'll be right back. Uh, I think you'll find it interesting. I'll bring you up to speed on exactly what's going on over there and what we can expect. So, don't move. Access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. There are nine kinds of water. Hard water, raw water, boiled water, salt water, rain water, snow water, filtered water, deionized water, and distilled water. Only one of these kinds of water is fit for you. Distilled water is water which has been turned into vapor so that all its impurities are left behind. Then, by condensing, it is turned back to pure water. It is the only water which is pure. The only water free from all impurities. The choice is clear. Dr. Alan E. Bannock. Order your tabletop water distiller for $139.99. Postpaid. It comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water. Go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's superstore.theamericanvoice.com. Order now. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. 
The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. You there. Yeah, you. The one listening to the American Voice Radio Network. I know where you have been. I saw where you went out in the woods that day while you were hiding your food and ammo. I know where you go every day. I'm the government, and I'm here to protect you. Thanks to your GPS-enabled cell phone and the GPS devices we planted on your vehicles without a warrant, we can track and trace your every move. We are so glad you didn't buy a GPS jammer from thesignaljammer.com because you would have blinded us. And when the day came to round you up and steal your hidden goodies, we'd have to search high and low for you. So take my advice. Don't buy any GPS jammers, and don't even think about buying any cell phone jammers from thesignaljammer.com because we want to know where you are. My name is Bo Greitz. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can best communicate with me uh, at B-O-G-R-I-T-Z at msn.com. Uh, there are people who call, and uh, I tell you, I would be on the phone all the time. And so uh, I uh, have uh, in my a cave, my office that I broadcast from, uh, I don't even have uh, telephones that I know if they're ringing uh, because uh, I have a uh, means that my family can call me and uh, I get letters from you. I'm very happy to uh, read what you have to say, but it, right now it is still free to be able to send email, and it goes through instantly. And I can see uh, what you have said, uh, for example, about maybe today's program. And I will answer you. 
I had somebody just sent me email and said, uh, I have uh, I have questions for you, Bo. And I'm more, matter of fact, uh, this fellow's name, uh, uh, let me just read you real quick. He says, uh, good morning. My name is uh, Robert W. of Erie, PA, and uh, said, uh, I have questions. Uh, several questions that I would like to ask that you might be able to help me with. I've heard your name many times in my life. Greatly respect you as a good soldier, great American. This is as uh, I would like to clarify that I am absolutely not a reporter. He goes on through this. I'm U.S. Army Airborne MP, son of a Green Beret, grandson of Merrill's Marauder, uh, and uh, I am on active duty as a police corporal at the city of Barry uh, Police in Erie, Pennsylvania. And he said, I found your number uh, when I was uh, studying some information on the America First Committee. See, when I ran as a presidential candidate in 1992, uh, it was under the America First Coalition. And so my number, you know, hasn't changed in all these years in, in uh, more than, well, in 29 years now, almost 30 years that I've been out here. And so uh, he says my questions are regarding Vietnam. Uh, I know that you know that place better than most. I'm going there uh, in February for the first time, uh, maybe the only time. Uh, and so he's asking me about uh, the country, about the people, and uh, what is my honest opinion. And so, uh, you know, I'm more than happy uh, to uh, help Bobby W. I won't give you his last name, uh, even though you, you know, kind of know where uh, he's from. But I get these kinds of email all the time, and I can answer them, you know, in my time. It's not like the telephone ringing and I can't, uh, you know, pick it up because I'm into something. All right, let me go back and uh, cover. I had told you that uh, Jimmy Carter, as President of the United States, Cyrus Vance, these guys, uh, Cyrus Vance is a bad, was a, now he's probably dead now, but the point is, he uh, was not someone, he's an insider, he is a globalist, and uh, as a matter of fact, when Jimmy Carter was asked during the campaign uh, before he was elected uh, president uh, if he was a, uh, a one of these globalists, and Jimmy Carter uh, made this statement, he said, I would have to say, that uh, if my Secretary of State were to be Cyrus Vance uh, and uh, my National Security Advisor was Zygmunt Brzezinski, that, uh, yes, I would have to admit I'm probably a globalist, uh, you know, without the sovereignty of the United States uh, in mind. Well, that's exactly who was his Secretary of State. Look it up, Cyrus Vance and Zygmunt Brzezinski started the Trilateral Commission. 
which was an accelerator pump to the uh, Council on Foreign Relations. Globalist. I mean, you might as well say communist. And so uh, these people uh, were not good for the United States, even though Jimmy Carter was kind of a of a buffoon. And actually, uh, Jimmy had a brother, uh, remember, who had Billy Beer, and he borrowed money from Muammar Gaddafi, loans from Libya. I mean, all this weird stuff uh, happened. It was just, it was, they were buffoons. So how badly can a clown hurt you? And so it uh, it was going to be bad. We would have been back at war, I believe. And at that moment, this was 1978, Harold Brown was being sent as the Secretary of Defense to pull the American forces out of South Korea. And it is when this major in the Army assigned to the National Security Agency... With my program, there was a lot of resistance. Under that, sorry, I just got another program that broke into me. I uh, And I wouldn't be a bit surprised, because I'm going to admit something to you. Uh, but uh, when you look back, and you know we have this young man uh, who is... Uh, being charged with uh, aiding the enemy, he could actually uh, be shot. Uh, he, the Army is now conducting an, an Article uh, 32 uh, investigation to determine whether he should be uh, court-martialed. I can guarantee you something. If, and this guy, uh, as Lieutenant Colonel that is in charge of it, is his day job is, he is a prosecutor in the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C. And they have him put on a green suit, and he's sitting as uh, the head of this investigation to determine uh, if this uh, fellow, this young private. And, you know, what I ask is, how does a private in the Army have total access and control where he can somehow vacuum up hundreds of thousands of secret messages. None of them that I know of actually hurt anybody, but these are all reports. <laughs> and all reports, when they're sent, you know, they are classified probably, and rightfully so. But this guy was giving this dump of information to WikiLeaks, which was putting it on the Internet. And uh, now they've, they've had this guy in a Marine. He's a, an Army soldier, but uh, they had him in a Marine jail in Quantico. Now they uh, have opened this uh, Article 32, and uh, they could. It'll be a general court-martial. And the general court-martial, if you are found guilty of aiding the enemy, can give you the death penalty. And so it may be interested. I don't know when the last guy was in the Army uh, that was shot. But the Army doesn't give you uh, you know, a good night uh, shot. 
one of these kind of things. Well, the point is, is that the Armstrong report was naturally top secret. And uh, it was at NSA, and it was sent to the CIA and to the DIA, Defense Intelligence and Central Intelligence. Well, uh, the guy at DIA, the desk officer that got this top secret uh, Armstrong report, he must have been at lunch. Matter of fact, I knew the guy who was there, and he was out to lunch. He did not immediately uh, go to the uh, to General Ty, an Air Force Lieutenant General who was DIA director, and say, uh, sir, you need to see this right now. This could mean war. Because it was the Secretary of Defense's intelligence agency that had it from NSA. It should have because Harold Brown was headed over to uh, South Korea to pull out the U.S. forces. Well, now CIA got it. The director instantly received it. He picks up the telephone and he calls Eugene Tai. Now this will tell you somewhat how the different in heads of agencies have this jealousy and they, uh, they are intimidated or they want to intimidate. So when the CIA director called over to the DIA director, he asked, what do you think of the Armstrong report? Well, General Ty had no idea of what the Armstrong report was or who he was. And so he said, because he didn't look like he didn't know nothing, General Ty said, I don't believe it. Well, then when Ty hung up, he called his uh, uh people in his chief of staff and he said what is this thing and then all of a sudden they said my gosh this is from nsa this major armstrong who's done a complete study pulling everybody he had people behind barbed wire uh, for weeks and they uh, they put satellites they rechecked their human which we don't have much of human intelligence but they they did U-2 uh, flyovers, every, they did everything to now look at the whole country. And Armstrong made his report. Well, General Ty didn't want to look like he was an idiot, and uh, General Ty was very brave, actually. He's the one that said there are prisoners of war when Jimmy Carter uh, and Cyrus Vance said there aren't any, and we won't spend any money or any resource pursuing them. And then uh, General Aaron, who was also a lieutenant general that was a co-director with General Ty, came down and got me uh, to go get out of the military uniform so I could go uh, into communist Asia and determine if there were prisoners of war. So, I mean, General, I'm not saying that General Ty wasn't a good man or wasn't brave. He was, morally, maybe as well as physically. But I'm saying that at that time, he made a major mistake when he found out that this was uh, about uh, Korea and that the North was many times more 
in military strength than DIA thought it was. And so uh, here we have this dilemma where you have the CIA, you have the DIA. Now, they are in competition with each other. They're always trying this one-upsmanship. So the second mistake that General Tai and General Aram made is that they put out orders that no one was to release the Armstrong report who had it. Well, most of the people uh, over, uh, I was, as far as I know, I was the only guy. And uh, here is why I think I was the only one, because I was chief of congressional relations in the office of the Secretary of Defense. So I got a copy from NSA. And protocol, this is from the Secretary of Defense. They're preparing Harold Brown's itinerary to go over and uh, bring all of our troops home. And so protocol gets a hold of me in congressional relations and says, Bo, you have got to somehow release this Armstrong report because we've been ordered we cannot have the Armstrong report as part of uh, Secretary Brown's briefing. Well, you mean to tell me we could go to war and because you've got uh, this uh, one-upsmanship and and General Ty may look like an idiot, Uh, If he now runs, he's made the statement he doesn't believe the Armstrong report. Now, all of a sudden, it's going to, I mean, Harold Brown goes over and brings our troops home. I mean, that is stupid. It is imperiling the whole of America. So we only had a few days. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, here everybody has orders. Harold Brown will not see the Armstrong report. So what I did was I called in a, a couple of guys that I knew. One of them was from the New York Times, and the other one was from the Army Times. And I said, I'm going to show you something. If you ever say that I did, then I'm going to say that you're mistaken, that I didn't. I said, but what you have got to do is immediately release, not something that is going to get America in big trouble, but something that will cause Harold Brown and maybe Jimmy Carter and Cyrus Vance to rethink this thing about pulling our troops out. Because everybody in the Department of Defense is under orders from General Tai, DIA director, not to give this document to the Secretary of Defense or brief him on it. And so uh, I said, Army Times, you can do more, you know, in releasing because it was just a uh, the Army Times was a house organ. But the New York Times and this guy understood. It was kind of like back when. Uh, World War II was going on. The reporters understood you have to uh, respect national security. But we had to do something. And 
I don't know if this little private was like uh, Colonel Bo Greitz in the Office of Secretary of Defense or not. Maybe he thought he was. Maybe he thought what he was doing in getting the information uh, to WikiLinks where it was made public, it would maybe stop some of this insanity. Afghanistan has one product, heroin, and it had none under the Taliban. Now it has twice as much as the Golden Triangle used to send out of Asia during the Vietnam War. Seems like wherever we've got military troops, they can grow uh, poppies and make it into opium, transfer it into morphine, and then heroin. And so the New York Times came out with a rather nebulous article about the possibility that American troops might be pulled out and that the assessment of North Korea's uh, war fighting capacity uh, has been underestimated, and it could lead America into a state of war or South Korea uh, with the communists. And by golly, it stopped the return. Now, General Singlob was uh, a, a, a major general over in South Korea at the time, and he was hollering, yelling, and screaming, stomping his feet about pulling the troops out. But Singlob didn't know about the Armstrong report. And so when, you know, and so Jimmy Carter relieved General Singlob because Singlob was calling Carter uh, things like that Air Force general uh, called uh, Bill Clinton, you know, when he was uh, president. And he got relieved. Well, Singlob got relieved. And after it all began to come out, uh, Singlob came home as a hero and got a standing ovation uh, before Congress. I was there to watch it. And uh, yet it was the New York Times, the Army Times. And when I look at uh, how they are going to maybe general court-martial and shoot this young private, and I think about what happened in 1978 to keep America out of war, uh, it makes you double think, doesn't it? And so I thought it was very important that you understand uh, what in the heck is going on uh, now that the dictator, he was 69, Kim Jong-il, is dead. And his 29-year-old son uh, from his third wife, uh, Kim Jong, and Kim is the Korean word for gold, Kim Jong-un, UN is now, uh, and Korea has uh, enough plutonium to make uh, eight-inch nuclear rounds. Now, uh, when people, uh, when you see in the news or whatever, an eight-inch round, it actually is an eight-inch artillery round that weighs about 212 pounds. The reason I know is I've used the high explosive. Now, these are nuclear. that, uh, And so an 8-inch uh, will not fire a long ways. But what they did just two days before Kim Jong-il died, 
died. They fired uh, rockets that we were watching, and everybody laughed again. I've told you about this before. Every time North Korea fires these rockets, they just land in the sea. And so we say that they didn't hit any target at all. Well, Iraq, not Iraq, but Iran is doing the same thing. We laugh at them. Does anybody think to look at the apogee, which is the height that the rocket obtains? It is short range, yes. 75 miles is what they estimated these uh, North Korean rockets were. But carrying a nuclear warhead, which would explode in the near atmosphere, would release EMP. It's not going to hurt us by blast or heat or by fallout, but it can kill us by EMP. And so uh, I think that this is very important to understand uh, what's going on right now. By the way, Congress still fooling around with our uh, tax uh, cut and now they are in conference with the Senate. You see, the Senate makes its own version of the bill. The House has its own version of the bill. Now you've got to have one that's the very same before they send it to the president. Well, if it contains this pipeline, now all of a sudden Obama is being forced. He may have to approve this pipeline after he has sworn to veto it. We're going to know this week, and it's going to be very interesting. In the meantime, if you know anybody in Athens, Texas, that is demonstrating to keep this, says keep your hands off of our manger, you need to write them an attaboy. I think it's totally wonderful. All right, it's been my turn on American.